I'm going to precog for three. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark four, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will, and with me today we have the one and only Merzane. What's happening, my guy? Nothing much. You let me out of the special report dungeon, and I get to come sit in the lobby with all the other with all the other cool kids. That's right. I did finally let you out of the dungeon. <laughs> Nate never lets me out of the dungeon. This is a rare opportunity for me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, no, I'm glad you're here. We're uh, going to do a regular house party protocol episode. I know most people are probably like, wait, Merzane's here. And this is a regular house party protocol episode? Yes, it is. But but there might be a little bit of extra juice on the back end. You know, we'll see. We'll see. No, don't don't throw me back in the dungeon. I'm gonna, not again. I'm going to try not to. I'm going to try not to. It smells so nice up here. <laughs> but that dungeon is where you belong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> well, Merzane, we got a brand new character spoiled for us this week. And that is the one and only Psylocke. And I think we would uh, be remiss if we didn't jump right in and talk about this character because I think she's pretty cool and I think there's some interesting things going on. But the first thing we have to do is talk about this model. And uh, yeah, what do you think about this one? Um, I'm going to say two out of ten because Rhino's ass is way better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Rhino is definitely got that cake as the kids say these days. Rhino has like totally changed my perception of what a good model should look like. Of what a good model's booty should look like. Absolutely, dude. <laughs> like, you know, I think I think everything else about Psylocke is great. Like, I I actually really like her pose. Like she's she looks imposing. <laughs> ah. She's sitting on a sentinel. Purp uh, it's purple. It's uh, purple. Uh and I like I like that it's got her real blade and the telekinetic blade. It's really cool. Rhino, Rhino showed me what models can really be like. Yeah, that's all, fair. And I'm going to be looking at Rhino. I'm going to be looking at these models from the back most of the time. And I realized I, there needs to be a little something for me too, as the player. <laughs> and, um, you know, I need, I need AMG to get on that engineering for uh, entertainment on my end of the table as well. Right, right. Yeah, sure. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do like this model. I'm with you. I think that the double sword, you know, the psionic sword plus the regular sword is really cool. The thing that really stands out to me about this model is the fact that it's it's got like a basing element to it. Like you said, it's standing on like a sentinel part. I think that's really great. I think anytime that AMG adds in those nice little basing elements, it really makes for a more interesting and dynamic model and and more so than just like a piece of a building. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I love this model. I think it's going to be pretty cool. And uh, I'm interested to see if you can actually see her entire hand through the little energy blade part. Because I wonder if it's just like a nub in there. I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe um, so there was a recent uh, content creator, Vincent Kirkhoff, did like a little game show. And one of the categories was models that don't have feet or only have one foot that only has one foot. So maybe she could be the first to, to be like models that only have one hand. There you go. There you go. Uh, I, I think my only thing I would have liked represented from the comics on her would be like the kind of like butterfly wing design pattern they do for her sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really cool element of her design that just didn't get shown in the model, but I, I don't feel like, I feel like that's really hard to put in a 3d space. So I, I understand. Yeah. And I appreciate that we got like the feeling of Psylocke. Um, but it's not as um, risque as some of the outfits that Psylocke has been in. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely that Jim Lee 90s Psylocke, but it's uh, like you said, it it could have been more. And I think in the space we're in here, this is a very, uh, very nice middle ground here. Yes, I, I, I've been really happy with the way they've done a lot of the the female superhero costumes, like calling back to really iconic versions while also being very respectful and uh, not like. Yes, hitting, like making them pin up models, basically, yes. and, and, and making them feel heroic and not like eye candy. Exactly. Which is a really good spot, I think. I'm right there with you, right there with you. So. Yeah, I think they did a great job here, and yeah, I think uh, without further ado, let's dive into this stat card, and I gotta say, I kind of love everything about this card, and uh, we'll start off with the top stat line here of Psylocke, with an alter ego of Elizabeth Braddock, and it's interesting that they went with Elizabeth Braddock instead of Betsy Braddock because that's how she was most commonly known in the comics was Betsy Braddock. And I just think that's an interesting choice. Just one random comic nerd thing is she was kind of one of those characters that had the old classic Stan Lee alliteration, you know, Peter Parker, Bruce Banner, Reed Richards, and then she came along and and they called her Betsy Braddock. She's actually the sister of Captain Britain. Fun fact. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Also, fun fact, if you don't know much about Psylocke and you're interested in finding out about this character, get ready for a ride because this is a character with one extremely complicated backstory. I, I mean, I can get why the, I I feel it's weird that they didn't put Betsy in like quotations, right? But it, we also got like James Logan Howlett or whatever his name is. Yeah, whatever's. So like, I feel like they're trying to go by legal first names, and like, we got right. Uh, Black Widow was originally Natalia Romanova, and now they had to change her to Natasha Romanov at right. Marvel's request. <laughs> right, which I thought was kind of funny. But uh, it's just an interesting thing when you think about like characters and their histories and all of that stuff. Like, you know, Marvel is one of those those companies. They have a, a very rich and vast history. And Psylocke is just a character that just in a name, like we're sitting here talking about just her name. And there's a lot going on. This character is, is wild. Seriously. Uh, if you haven't had an opportunity, I think it's Nando V movies on YouTube. He does like this series where he like fan casts different characters and stuff. And he does like backstories on those characters. And having been a fan of comics for as long as I have, I knew most of the stuff he talks about, but there's obviously gaps in my knowledge too. And he talks about 
a lot of the backstory with this character, and it's it's nuts. It's just nuts. And also, fun fact, Betsy Braddock is currently Captain Britain. So so the original Captain Britain went and did something else. I think he's like it's it doesn't matter. We're not a comic show, but it's interesting and yeah, she is now Captain Britain, which I think is fun. That's kind of cool. Especially just it's like a brother sister thing. Exactly. So we have the top stats here of three physical defense, three energy defense, and four mystic defense. She has a stamina value of six. She is threat value four. What is it with all these four threats, Merzane? Jeez. I don't know. She is size two, and she moves medium. So, out of everything here, this is a pretty nice standard stat line. On her injured side, she does go down to five stamina, and that is the only change on her injured side. She goes from six to five. So, she only has 11 stamina total as a four threat, which we've seen kind of be a danger zone for a lot of characters. But, uh, I don't know. I think this one might be okay. Yeah, she's got some ways around it, like, so she's like her being in danger isn't going to be as frequent as a lot of people with this, uh, with that exact stamina stat block. I think my only complaint with her, like on the entire card is right here in this stat block. And that's, I, if I really wish medium move was a long move, it's not like a huge problem for me. Like I've been really, really happy with long movers lately. Oh <laughs> so yeah. Every time I look at like, any character I could possibly tell myself could be a long mover. I'm like, oh, they should have been a long mover. Yeah, I will say that's definitely one of the things I would have wanted as well. I mean, she's a ninja. You know what I mean? Like, yep. come on. I think they put that movement aspect in other parts of her kit instead. Uh, I think that's probably why she's not a long mover. But I, I do wish she was a long mover. I think that would have elevated her to a whole different level. Um, oh. But she, Still a solid sap block. And I know what you're thinking immediately. Her mystic is higher than her physical, so she's a good convocation target. I mean, that is exactly where my head went. <laughs> I think anytime anyone's mystic is one or two greater than their physical, you look at them and go, Ironbound books. You like ironbound books? You like using your misty defense when you get punched? You like you want to turn that into a magical attack? You're darn right. You're darn right. I'm over here like that, that uh meme with the guy behind the tree when he's like you know doing his hands and licking his lips you know but it's like for mystic defense <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely me so Brzee why don't you take over these attacks cool so our first one is telekinetic katana it is an energy in quotations uh, a range two five strength zero cost attack it's her builder so after the attack is resolved this character gains power equal to the damage dealt uh, but the quotations of it being an energy attack are that when you choose this attack before choosing a target, this character chooses whether the attack type is energy or mystic. And then on a wild, she has a neural disruption before damage is dealt for each wild in the attack roll. The character loses a power and it cuts off from there because this isn't sat power. It's just half of it. <laughs> um, right. So I think this is the first attack. Like we've had a lot of choose between physical and energy, physical and energy or choose all three. Is this our first that's between energy and mystic? I think it might be. Something tells me we've had like a physical and mystic at one point. I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look. There are so many characters in this game. But I think this might be our first energy and mystic attack option. And what about you? But I'm super here for it. 
personally, I think that energy is the best attack type in the game. We There's a lot of things that don't work with energy. And Mystic, I think, used to be, but there's a lot of people that have really weird tech into it or just randomly high defensive stats, like six, randomly. <laughs> yeah. Um, which makes Mystic a little, like, a, it's more weird than, like, strong. Um, and, like, situate, which which is cool that makes sense. Um, yeah. But it being able to do energy is great. And then Mystic, and it's like the two best because sometimes when the times where energy isn't the best, Mystic is usually the best option. Uh, Because like into something like a wizard, you don't want to do Mystic, so you'll do energy. But into like a Captain America, you don't want to do energy. You want to do that Mystic. Right, which you'll still count blanks on his injured side with the Mystic too. And let me tell you, it definitely stinks. But Yes, yes. He'll he'll still roll (laughs) six blocks consistently on three Mystic defense with... Yeah. No vibranium shield. Yeah, it's but at least it's not eight. <laughs> exactly. At least it's not eight. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think that this really creates a, a very versatile attack type. I mean, it shuts down stuff like Daredevil and any martial artist, stuff like that. Like, I'm, I'm really happy that they included it like this because it's thematic, first of all. And second of all, I mean, it's, it's just really cool. And it, I think it's an interesting thing. And then adding the neural disruption wild trigger i don't think that's something that is going to matter that much but also it's a for each wild ability not just roll a wild they lose a power yep so i could see this being an interesting situation where even if you set it whatever type you set it to let's say you have two wilds and a hit and they block two out of three right? Let's say it's a a block one, reduce one, take one kind of thing or something like that. And then all of a sudden those wilds still matter in that if that character was juiced up and ready to do something big on the next turn, well, now they might not have enough power, even though they're still going to gain the one they're losing two. I think that that's really interesting. And again, even if you don't do any damage, if you roll a wild, you're still taking power away from people, which I think can, can matter in a way. You know what I mean? Especially if they're like rooted or stunned or something. Yeah. I I think it does. It has the potential to do one of the most terrifying things to a character, which is have them flip to their injured side with next to no power. And they never got to use their power. Yeah. Like that is like you get on a, you attack someone that's got like one HP left. They've got like five or six powers. The next round they're looking to, to do something big. She comes up and she rolls like five wilds and just it's all gone. If I roll five wilds, that'd be like, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I had uh I had a, a situation where Rogue, who has you know the, the mutant absorption, mm-hmm. um, I had a character start with like seven power. She came up and sapped a bunch, and then mutant disruption. And I was like, okay, the only way you kill my character is you deal like you have to roll exactly five because there was whatever combination. I had like four power and one health or like three power and two health. Yeah. Like you have to roll perfect to kill my character. So my character will have no power, but at least they get to activate this round. Spoiler alert. They didn't get to activate that round because he <laughs> did roll perfect. Right. Uh, and that was very frustrating because now I had that situation. I had a character flipping over on the opposite side with exactly one power. Mm. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. So, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm right there with you, though. I think that, that this is... It's interesting, and it's it's not something that's going to hit hard, but when it does, like when you have that situation, when 
even if even if they're sitting there, you've got five power on a character, and you come up and you take away two of it or three of it. Any any amount of power it can make a difference in what that character is able to do, what tactics cards they're able to contribute to, stuff like that. Yep. Anytime you can modulate your opponent's uh, power, it's a big deal. Exactly. Exactly. Speaking of modulating power, what's the next one? Yep. The next one is called Cybo, or is it Cybow? I think it's Cybo. I'm going right? to go with Cybo. Cybo. This is a mystic range four attack with fourth strength and no power cost because this is a, an attack that after this attack resolve, this character gains one power. So this is a gainer of one power every time she uses the ability. And then on a hit result, she gets pursuit before damage is dealt. This character may advance toward the target character short. So this is one of those instances where I, I was saying, I think her kit got some of the movement shenanigans a ninja would get. She gets yeah. to pursuit on this one. So she gets like a two in one action. Yeah. I, I love this personally. I, I think this is a really great thing. It is easier to hit than like daredevils. Cause I think daredevils is on a wild. So being able to hit this, I think his, or his like hook bow thing is what I'm thinking of mm-hmm. his, his baton hook. And then you've got, the Shadowlands, who has Baton Snare, which his is automatic, but still, either way, I think having this trigger on a hit really makes her mobility ramp up a little bit, and I really like it. I'm liking a lot of more hit triggers because it's just much, it's it's so much more likely to hit a hit than it is to hit a wild. Exactly. Uh, especially exactly. on things like this that feel like when you do it, it probably should happen. Exactly. I mean, and it's, yeah, it's just cool. And range four, it's only four dice, but range four Mystic, I mean, You'll be able to hit someone like Logan, and you don't have to go towards him, but four dice into Logan, it's nothing to scoff at with a Mystic yeah. attack. And so. I really like the design choices of characters with attacks that are like, they're two, they're two, um, their range two attack is their builder. So when they're in the fight, they're potentially, you know, spiking, getting a bunch of power. And that long range attack, like this range four, is your gainer. So you have, Oh, I got in position. I don't want to move up into melee. I can like pop someone and gain a power for the next round. Exactly. And sort of like skirt on that edge. This range four is also really important for another superpower we'll talk about later. Absolutely. And one other thing I want to mention about this, the fact that it's range four gains one power. I'm telling you right now, if you haven't played something like a web warriors with Gwen with, with range four and then the impact webbing, gaining that one power to set up other things. This gain one power situation at range four is very strong on an opening turn. And in terms of like the midline and all of that, like thinking about where characters are going to be in this new kind of game that we play now, being able to hit that midline after a medium move, potentially being on an objective even is so clutch. Mm -hmm. So I love it. I love it. This has the potential that you could hit someone. You could move medium, hit someone on the midline, and you can make it to a middle objective because small mover, small bases can make it on two moves. Yeah, exactly. That's and that's exactly it. Like it, it really makes the objective play go up a little bit, which I think is really nice. All right. At her last attack, this is another mystic called Psionic Assault. It is range three, strike seven, and it costs three. Uh, and this one has before damage is dealt, the target character gains the stun special condition. This is a thing that we've only seen on one other character, and that was Mystique. Uh, 
And that's because it's incredibly strong to do stun before it does damage, because then the stun matters for this attack, and usually they happen they matter for other attacks. I thought we saw this on one other one recently. Am I crazy? May uh, maybe did Spider Woman maybe do that? I yeah, I think Spider Woman maybe. Somebody does something. Yeah, so yeah, Spider Woman. It's on her builder before damage is dealt. Poison shock or stun. Ah, you're right. Yeah, but that one's not guaranteed though. Which, Fair. It's still incredibly strong. But. Right. In terms of a guarantee, you're exactly right. This is the second time that we've seen this, and this is a great attack, dude. It's a good attack. Yeah. I mean, it's not flashy. It's only seven dice, but it's range three, and it's and it only costs you three power. And this is one of those where I think we've seen AMG really turn in a corner with a lot of these spenders where they're like value propositions. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And and this is one where, as we go through her kit here, I, I, don't, I think she's going to have the power to do this at times, and when she does, it can really pay some dividends. Yep. And I think this is, like, another cool instance of uh, her modulating your opponent's power, right? Because you're going to stun them, and then you could follow up with a telekinetic katana to remove more power from them and just leave a really hurt character on very little to do on the next round. Exactly. I think that really is a play pattern you're going to see with this character. I think, honestly, what you could end up seeing is turn one, move, Cybo. Boom, you're sitting on two power. Turn two, you get that third power, you're within range three of somebody, you psionic assault them, so now they're not gaining power, really, with any meaningful amount of power for the rest of the round. And then, cool, like... What are some characters that we can think of, Merzane, off the top of our head that are extremely power hungry? Um, Iron Fist. Iron right? Fist. Uh, she's also good in too because she's got all the mystic. Um, someone like Cable and and or Magneto, mm -hmm. um, who is good in a mystic, but she can use that and, and turn off his like good into physical and energy. Exactly. I uh, mean, Beta Ray Bill as a new character who is extremely power hungry. Thor. Thor. I mean, any of these characters that are going to gain additional power or like Juggernaut. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Herself. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, it's, to me, she's not super power hungry as we're going to go through these superpowers. You're going to see like she has stuff she wants to do, but I, what I'm saying is, and, and all I'm trying to illustrate here is that, this is a character that when you use that spender, it's going to have an impact regardless of the amount of damage that it does. And it's not got so high of a dice situation where it, I've talked about this before. Also with a lot of these spenders, you're just as likely to daze the character as you are to get the effects. This is not one of those. If they don't have any damage on them or have a little bit of damage on them and it's not like a squish squish character, the likelihood of, dazing slash KOing them with this isn't that high. Yeah. So I'm, I'm super here for this spender in, in terms of like the patterns that you can do with her. And, and again, like, I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to spend her power, but as a turn one, two kind of opening, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. Oh yeah. And I, I think you, you said something really interesting earlier about like, this is like, a value sort of spender rather than like raw dice, right? Yes. 
And I think AMG is starting to realize that with a lot of these like big attacks for characters, players are more likely to use these cool attacks if they give them something else besides dice. Because like paying a bunch of power to add like four or five dice or three or three to five dice on like their builder, like a lot of the time they're just like, well, I'll just use a superpower. Or what if I use too much power that I can't like interact with the thing? So most of the time, I think players will just forego that and just hit them again with this with the builder and then spend their power on other things. Yeah, but I think they're getting more in the habit of making these spenders that do other things on top of having like a few extra dice. So it feels like that that investment of power is like way more worth it than just, hey, look, I got to add, you know, an extra couple dice to my attack. And still not daze you. <laughs> yeah, that and and that's really, I think you nailed it there. It's like, is the investment worth it? And as we've seen, it's like, well, I can spend this three power on a generic spender, whatever kind of. I can spend the three power on the spender and, and look like someone like Winter Soldier as an example, right? Like Red Fury is a good spender. It costs you four power though, and you have to be at range two, right? Whereas Bucky is rarely there, and you'd rather save that power for a gotcha back and for Hydra tactics. Like, if Bucky's in the fight and he's got the power, sure, Red Fury's great. I've had it whoop my butt. But the value isn't as there, even though I guess that's maybe a bad example because you're doing three attacks, technically. I was going to say, I think that's actually one of the best attacks in the game. It is, but I mean in terms of, like, being there, getting in there, that kind of stuff, or... Maybe another example would be someone like Lizard, you know, with cold-blooded. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's range two, three power, seven dice. Has to deal damage to get the effects, and the effects are bleed and slow. Like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm choosing the wrong characters, and I'm picking characters from a roster that I just happen to have open. But I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just well, one saying. of the ones that I always think of, and you'll 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 smile a little bit when I say this character is Crossbones. Uh, because Crossbones has exactly two attacks. He has a range two, five die strike, and a range three, five die overpower that costs two. And you're like, most of the time you don't want to overpower because like it does place you, but there's a lot of times you really, you're already where you want to be with Crossbones when you're swinging. Yeah. You don't need to overpower. And then like, sometimes you throw them if they're size two or less. And sometimes you, don't want that or the risk of it. And then he also has a superpower called Haymaker. The next strike or overpower for four power gets three dice. So you look at his kit a lot of time. You're thinking, do I want to spend two power to overpower? Would I rather spend four power to get three dice on my strike and get that power back and then do it again? Or do I sink six power into overpower to maybe get a throw and place myself off this point? I don't know. Yeah. And usually you just, you just beat the crap out of people with eight die strikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely the way to do it. And another character where I've, I think I've rarely seen this attack used is Iron Man with homing rockets. It can be used sometimes and I've seen it used, but again, rarely used, rarely used. So, yep. you know, th those are just a couple of examples of, attacks and and things where i think that this attack it's not uh, it's not the best attack in the game it's not the best spender in the game but i think that when we're talking about value 
and your character, especially your four threat character, having an impact on the board, this is one where I think it's really going to make a difference. Yeah. So, yeah, as a total attack kit, though, Merzane, how do you feel about all of this? Very solid. She's missing a physical attack, but I mean, like, everyone doesn't need to, everyone can't have all three. Um, she, she hits, like I said earlier, I think the two most important uh, the, the two most powerful ones um, in most situations. And she's got a lot of range to cover, which the longer range will make sense why I like it more in, in a minute. But she's got a lot of really cool tools in these. In these she attacks. really does. She really does. I do think it's interesting that she doesn't have a physical attack. And I like the telekinetic katana could be literally all three because she could be using like a regular katana or using her like knife katana, you know, her, yeah. her energy katana. But I'm super happy with everything on this character's card. The first superpower we have to talk about, though, is an active superpower. So she has to use it on her turn. Telekinetic combat enhancement. It's going to cost you two power. And everyone that is an Avengers player just went like, yes. <laughs> this character may immediately advance short the next time it makes a telekinetic katana attack this turn add two dice to the attack roll this superpower can be used only once per turn oh yeah Merzane out of action movement yes mm -hmm. oh I love this and, and not only that but now you get to get to within range two and make your five dice strike into a seven dice. Yep. This is like adding, this is a basically a web swing, but I feel like she's doing a combat roll instead of swinging on a web. <laughs> oh, de definitely. Or this is like Olivia Munn when she's jumping off the building and does like the whip into the car before landing all like superhero oh, yeah. landing. The superhero landing. Yeah. That's definitely what's yeah. happening here. She's just jumping through the air spinning. <laughs> exactly definitely not on a wire definitely not but no 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 not at all i think this is awesome I mean, anytime you're adding dice to an attack always more valuable than re-rolls asterisks uh <laughs> but i think it's interesting that they tied this just to telekinetic katana i think if you were able to do this with saibo she'd be insane but yeah i think this is great i just think this is great out of action movement is the most valuable thing in this game it it really is. And like, again, going back to crossbones, right? So like power for dice on a builder is usually, in my opinion, better than paying more for a spender that doesn't do anything or, or does something risky because your potential to get that power back and do something else that round with that power, like just goes up. Exactly. Uh, as opposed to like, well, I have two power or I have three power, right? I can either telekinetic combat experience to do a seven die telekinetic katana and maybe do something else. Or I could psionic assault now and use all my power. And then maybe I could just poke them with my katana and hope to get some power for the next round. It makes it ver makes her versatile. And that, that choice right. isn't necessarily terrible because you could stun them or you will stun them and then you could hit them. But it, it definitely, like, opens up the doors for, like, what you can do. Right. And I think that that is 
why I laid that plan out initially, right? Of the move Saibo into turn two, psionic assaulting someone, telekinetic katana, like you just mentioned. You can do that, and I don't think that that's a bad pattern at all, but the versatility, like you mentioned, of saying, okay, well, we can, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shorthand this, we can TCE into a TK, if you get that. <laughs> and because saying telekinetic that many times, I'm not going to, it's just too much. So TCE into a TK, and then... Mm-hmm. You're going to have seven dice, maybe get that power back, and then if you've positioned it right, you can psionic assault somebody else and still have enough power for a TCE next turn or a TP, which we're going to talk about in a second. I I think telekinetic combat enhancement, because I'm going to say the whole thing, is uh, one of the very few powers that make me wish that there was like facing of some degree in this game, because it's, I feel like this is a, this is the visual of her like, like I said, like combat rolling behind the person and like stabbing him in the back. Oh yeah. But there's no, there's no back to stab in this game, which is a good thing. But I mean, yes, yes, absolutely. Please don't ever introduce facing. This I, game. I definitely am not a fan of games that involve facing. It's, it's uh, coming from war machine. It can be a real hassle sometimes. Uh, but in this game, I, I think it would be even more of a hassle, but yeah. I, I think that this is just one of those times where it's like, oh man, I wish I could get a mechanic for like, Rolling behind someone and stabbing him in the butt, but I guess maybe that's the two dice. I think that's what that is. Yeah, that's that is what this is. You know, it's it's that is the visual. Every time you're playing Psylocke now, Merzane, that is the visual that you need to have. It's like um, if you've ever watched uh, the anime where they do the the two finger thing into someone's butt. Oh my gosh! Like send them send them like a Naruto and stuff. Get out of here. That that's what it is. I can't remember what it's called. That that I mean uh, the visual though. I'm just I've had enough of it. But all that to say, I think that this really creates interesting play experiences, and it's one where, depending on the setup of of the turn and and the game state, that will determine whether or not TCE is better than a psionic assault. So, mm-hmm. I'm just, I think it's just really interesting. It makes it, to me, it makes it fun, and it, I guess I like characters that present versatility and like a puzzle to put together. And I think that that's what this is doing so far. So the next superpower we have here is a reactive superpower. So there's going to be a trigger and then it'll tell you when you can use the superpower. So I'm super excited for this one. Telepathic precognition. Like I said, a TP. So for X amount of power, which I always like seeing that because it allows you to uh, be kind of versatile here. While this character is attacking or defending, so there's your trigger when they are either attacking or defending, during the modify dice step of the attack, it may spend any amount of power to use this superpower, Merzane. Any amount of power. Oh! (laughs) This is awesome. For each one power spent, this character may re-roll one of its attack or defense dice. This superpower can be used only once per turn. Holy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, okay. <laughs> okay. So what? why are we kind of losing it right now, Suits? Well, reason being, most superpowers like this are up to three to do a thing, right? Like uh, you see something with like, I think, Domino, it's a three. 
does Modok have a limit on his? Yes. Uh, P-Brain, Modok's genius is infinite, uh, has a limit of three, which is the famous and first one to have this power. Correct. Actually, no, his is, his is infinite. His is infinite? Okay. Uh, his is infinite. Uh, I think we're thinking of stuff like Shuri's reroll. That's it. When you reroll others, they tend to max out at three. Yeah. So either way, though, this character is likely to have the power to just dump into this. And if you think about on attack, at least specifically on attack, we'll talk about the defending part in a second. When you attack, if you're adding two dice with a TCE and then hitting them with the TK, and then you've got some power left over for some TP, I mean, you are going to be poking people straight in the butt. And it's, I mean, that's going to be some damage and some power gain. See, I'm not liking calling it TP because it's making me think about like toilet papering someone's house. I, I know. I mean, I'm going to keep this, this <laughs> gag running as long as possible, but <laughs> precog, we'll call it precog. <laughs> Precognition. Precog, like in Minority Report, you know, the precogs. That's what they're called. I swear, when, when people play this character, that's what it's going to be. They're just gonna go, I'm going to precog for three? Oh, absolutely. Right? <laughs> absolutely. But no, where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start saying I'm going to TP for three. <laughs> <laughs> it but, uh, this, is, this is a great power. I don't know if, this is where I was saying she's probably a little bit power hungry. Because like... You really can just dump a bunch of power into this and get a bunch of rerolls and hope. Yeah. Um, but once per turn, definitely caps like how much you'll actually spend on it. And if you're using this on builders, theoretically, you're getting it back. So like, if you roll dice and you're like, "Oh, I've got three successes, so they're two I'm doing one damage," I'm gonna reroll two dice. You should get at least one success, and that's your two back. Or if you get both successes, you've made power. Right. So an interesting little mini game you can play with this. Right. Um, but you probably won't use this on like your psionic assault unless you need someone to die and you've got a lot of power. It, that's exactly it. Uh, I'm right there with you. I think most often you're going to see that pattern we talked about of, of the uh, TCE, TK, and then any extra power you've got, you hit them with the TP. But... Let's hit talk him about, with the TP. Hit him with the TP. Let's Make talk, him look like a mummy. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about this on defense and what this means for her on defense. I think it takes her rather basic physical and energy defense and really allows her to maybe survive a little bit more, especially in conjunction with the next superpower we have here, which we've seen, martial artist. It's an innate ability, so she always has this active when this character is defending against a physical or energy attack, targeting it from within range two, this character adds blanks in its defense roll to its total successes. So imagine you're in there, you hit them with the telekinetic katana, and now they have a chance to clap back. Well, you're going to count blanks, plus with the telekinetic precognition, with a little precog action. I think it really helps her defense a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, it's usually worse to reroll defense dice than attack dice because your odds of hitting a defense success is lower than hitting an attack success. Correct. Uh, but in her case, it's it's really good because you have a better odds of hitting defense than you do attack since you're counting blanks. Exactly. There's only three faces on the die 
that won't give you a defense result if you're counting blanks. So, and that, that is two hits and a skull. And let me tell you, I find those faces every single time when I'm counting blanks. I was going to say, those are going to be your, your three most, co- that's going to be your, your most common uh, die roll when you're using this character. I'm oh sure. yeah. I'm telling you, I, I roll skulls on rerolls more than anything, especially defensive rerolls. And it's like, just for good measure, just so the game and fate really lets me know this character is dead. We roll a skull. Happens every well, time. That's, it's better than my typical one. It's typically, oh, I could re-roll these, these dice, but let me see how well I roll. Oh, it's three skulls. Never mind. We, we can't re-roll. Oh, we just die. Yep. That's, see, there you go. It's three skulls. So just make sure that you know death is coming for you. Yep. <laughs> so the last innate superpower here, I think, really combines with martial artist and telekinetic precognition here, and that is in another innate ability, stealth. Characters must be within range three of this character to target it with attacks. So, Merzane, there's a very small window where you can attack this character and they don't get martial artist. And yep. and you have to really, really play smart with how you, you go into Psylocke here, I think. Yeah, this is uh, exactly what Mystique does. And it's exactly what makes Mystique extremely obnoxious. Well, Mystique uh, also doesn't have a range four attack, which is awesome. Yes. And also the Black Widow has this, the two point version. Yeah. And it also like elevates her survivability as a two threat character. Like she's a two threat character that in the right circumstances takes a lot more than what you would think a two threat would take to kill. To get to, you know, to, to days or whatever. Well, yeah. And the same for Mystique. It usually takes a lot more than what you would initially want to put into a three to take her out and Psylocke's going to be the same way on top of the fact that she's got an additional stamina and she's got the defensive re-rolls um it takes a really good like positioning like you said to to get around this or using mystic but mystic is her best defensive you know die uh amount so a little bit of give and take there right exactly so all in all, when we look at this kit on this character, I don't know about you, but I I really like it. Like, I think it's a very solid kit. Like, I don't see anything here that screams, like, out of control great. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I think that the, the TCE and TP combine to form a pretty deadly character. But when I'm reading this, I don't think that there's anything, like, way over the curve in terms of a four threat. And I think that what she does on the tabletop is is going to be very impactful. And I mean, and that's throwing out damage and and being able to be more mobile than you might think and and stuff. I, I don't know. I'm just I like what we've got here. Yeah, I I like what she's doing. Um, I, like I said, I think the only thing if I was given reins that I would change is a medium to a long move. That's like the only thing I can think of. But I mean, again, she's got a lot of movement shenanigans in her kit. I think that once you're in the fray and you're able to use these these pieces, you you won't care that she's not a long mover. I agree. It, it won't. It, it just won't matter. It only matters for like turn one stuff, round one stuff. And I don't feel like that she's that kind of character that's supposed to be popping off round one. I think she's one that's supposed to get set up and then start being obnoxious the rest of the game. Yeah, I mean, and and she's one of these characters where we've got a lot of characters like this, I think, now, but one where if you 
don't have a plan on how to deal with her or minimize her impact. And and we don't even know what her tactics cards are yet. And if those are insane, like she could really pop off and be a menace. Like I think of characters like that of like X23, the new Logan, um a character like Voodoo. You know, if you don't have ideas on how to deal with these characters, they're they're going to mess you up a little bit, I think. And and I think we have another character like that right here where when she hits, she's going to really hit. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like what you said about not knowing about her tactics cards, because I think that when Rhino was announced, looking at his card, a lot of people are like, OK, he's like mini juggernaut. He's he's OK. He's not going to see play everywhere. And then as soon as people saw this is a robbery, you know, that completely changed the entire game for him. Like now he is this insane piece that could just throw any character on the table and steal their, their extract. Yep. And all it takes is one really good tactic. Start. I think that's something that AMG is doing nowadays is they're really, really trying to make these character specific tactics cards matter and define their game style. I mean, like look at heroes for hire um, or Helios laser or uh comrades keeper or any of these other character-specific ones that are starting to see a lot of use and defining how we see those characters. Yeah. And then on top of that, there'll be a solid character behind it. But that one card can change the entire game, and that's enough to take both of them. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing about this is, is these characters come with, I think, a lot of tactics cards. I think that they have... Uh, six teams tactics cards in this box. Yeah, it's six. Wow. So we know one of those is going to be the Hellfire Club affiliation, but that means there's five other tactics cards. Who knows what they're going to do at this point? But I mean, definitely exciting. And speaking of what they're going to do here, where do you see Psylocke sliding in from an affiliation perspective? Like, I think she's going to be affiliated in X Force and X Men. But other than that, where do you see her either being affiliated or slotting in? I don't, I, I think that's probably it. I, unless she's been an A-Force before, she would be a really interesting A-Force character. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't really think, I don't really know if enough about Psylocke to know if she would fit anywhere else. Um, she looks like a purple Electra, so I'll say Criminal Syndicate. <laughs> I mean, goodness, Electra wishes she had this kit. Uh. <laughs> Electra wishes she had a kit to use. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh. Uh, anyways, we're not going to talk about that, but <laughs> I think obviously the two I mentioned, you said a force. I think that could be interesting. I don't really know what else she could fit into, but in terms of where you might see her as a splash character, I think this is like, like I said earlier, the Avengers players eyes lit up when you play, think about Steve and having a two cost superpower, but you don't get the the discount on telekinetic precognition. But I still think that having a short advance to add two dice for one power is really good. I, I'm looking at her in Dark Dimension. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, the Dark Dimension list I'm building, you know, that we talked about. Yeah. I'm definitely looking at her as a way that can modulate a bunch of power that really benefits from the two or uh, turn one. Um. And she's a fourth threat, which I'm looking for with martial artist stealth is really cool. Like we talked about for spider woman. See last episode. Um, but yeah, like I think that there's a lot of powerful four threats to splash. Yeah. And 
it's one of the like hardest to be a good splashable for, I think, of any of the any of the point costs. Exactly. Um, and she's not going to be high on the list, but she definitely brings some an interesting toolkit. Um, I, I think that you could see her in, in certain spots over someone like, you know, Crimson Dynamo is a big one now, Vision Rogue, um, and, and some of the other four, like, popular four threats. Yeah. And I, I'm right there with you. I think that's one of those things where she's not a one-for-one trade for some of those more popular four threats. But I also think that if you do trade, say, Psylocke for Rogue, right? Like, let's use that as an example. I don't think you'd be disappointed if you have a plan on how to use Psylocke. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I think mm-hmm. that that's where the interesting thing is going to come in of of how she functions on the tabletop. And when you see her versus don't, it's one of those things where I think... Let's look at X-Force as an example, where I think she's going to be affiliated to X-Force. I think if she isn't, then AMG done messed up. But they already have a really good complement of fours. And if you if this character was a three-threat character, maybe tuned down a little bit, I think that would be perfect for them. But I think she really fits in with what they want to do. And yeah, their leadership isn't the best option for in terms of rerolls and all that stuff, but being able to say, okay, I'm going to use my X-Force reroll on this attack and then use telepathic precognition on another attack and, and stuff like that I think is really good. And I think she brings something really good and interesting into X-Force specifically that when you think about what they want to do, I think Weapon X does what X-Force wanted to do initially, and that's just straight murder. But... <laughs> I think that Psylocke being able to maybe get a little cat and mouse, maybe you R&D her a power early. Sure, that's two tactics cards that you're taking off the rip for one character. But I think cat and mouse into getting her that extra power so that she can telekinetic combat enhancement straight away on the to the midline, I think is really good, maybe. I'd, I'd have to make sure that that range measures out, but I think it does. And... I just think stuff like that is interesting. And what she brings to that affiliation is interesting. And then in terms of the broader whole, anywhere where she can gain power is going to be good. Like, Cabal is not hurting for four threats. But she'd be great there. Because being able to gain that power back after doing damage is going to be awesome. I think that, obviously, Convocation, my eyes light up at this character. And we're going to talk more about that a little later. But... I see this character as a great convocation character in a lot of ways because, okay, maybe somebody does set up a range three attack on this character. Well, they t- she takes some damage, hopefully not too much, and then boom, now she can either place out a range and be in stealth for the follow-up attack, or she places into martial artist range. So I, I think there's a lot of interesting things in terms of that and then not only that but you got the plane of pole dock so you've got the ability to do full re-rolls on all of her attacks potentially making her builder a seven dice attack with full re-rolls plus layering into that telepathic precognition i mean that's strange supreme levels of output in convocation that's a lot of damage yeah and then let's not only think about that aspect of it let's say we put the plane of pole dock on some big character, right? Like, I think that this is the first character where I could feel confident attacking a Thanos in my convocation because 
you could say, okay, I'm going to add two dice with telekinetic combat enhancement. I've put Plane of Poldock on Thanos. Let's just use that as an example, right? Put, the, put that on him. I'm going to TCE, get my two dice, and now I get full rerolls. I'm going to give Mordo, I can either let Mordo give her another two dice, making that a nine dice attack with full rerolls, plus adding in whatever precog amount of power I want to use, right? So, or I can save Mordo's buff for another follow-up seven dice attack. And while I don't necessarily think that that's going to delete Thanos, I think that that could put a real hurting on him. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, uh, she has less physical defense than her mystic defense. So convocation is going to be a place you're going to play her. Um, and Shadowlands, I kind of like it. It's like, I mean, it's just, better x-force right <laughs> yeah like it's literally just she's an unaffiliated x-force character but better uh and i like what you said about playing a poldock like that's also potentially a lot of wilds you could roll to remove a lot of power yeah um and yeah i i think that those are really two really good splashes for her yeah uh, it, better chances to hit her cybo pursuit yeah right um yeah, I think that those are good. Uh, Wakanda is also another interesting one, although I don't know if she likes spending the power or if they like her because they like to control stuff. Right. But maybe. Get right. some uh, mystic attacks. Yeah, I, I think that just, it's one of those things where I don't think she's going to be everywhere, but I do think that where you see her on the tabletop, I, I think I've said this the whole time, she's going to have an impact. And I think that that is good. I think that that a character that doesn't necessarily go everywhere, like a rhino you know, and, and Rhino is good because robbery and his mobility and all that stuff. And, and, you know, he's, he's the, the darling right now, but I could see Psylocke really making some higher level competitive rosters that, you know, people like the extra dice. People like the consistency of dice on characters. And she has that in spades. Yeah. So with that, Merzane, um, I think I got to put you back in the dungeon now. No, please, why? Yes. God, no. Here we go, straight back to the dungeon. The dungeon that is the House Party Protocol TTS special report. That's right. We're doing a two-in-one. Oh, God, no. That's I can't right. take it anymore. It's so dark in here. Yeah, that's right, it is, and you're going to love it, every second of it. So, Merzane, how did your match go this week? So... I was supposed to play Chewie from the Danger Room. Uh, we ended up not playing. Some real life stuff got in the way, um, and he had to forfeit it to me. Um, but I am planning on getting a game with him at some point, and if I do in the near future, maybe I can comment on that. But uh, we did not end up playing. Ah, well, that's too bad, but uh, it, it, we wish the best to him if he's got stuff going on. Uh, you know, everybody's got stuff going on sometimes, so you know, make sure you're taking care of yourself, and remember, we always play this stuff just for fun. As for me, my matchup, my CS off, as it were, definitely happened, and it was an extremely close game. We went six rounds, and the final score was 15 to 14, and we both made some mistakes along the way, some tactical errors here or there. But overall, I think we both played an extremely good game. 
the video for it will be up on YouTube when you're hearing this. I've been delayed in getting that up, but by the time you hear this podcast, it will be up. So make sure to check that out, uh, youtube.com slash housepartyprotocol. And now we could end up playing, right? I know. Because we're both doing one. <laughs> it's, that's, that's probably going to happen after this week. So we know we've got my Guardians list coming up this week. And then if you and I do play, we're going to talk about a list today that I'm trying to figure out what I want to play for Adepticon Mersane. And mm-hmm. we're going to talk about probably the bones of the list today. But anyways, I want to recap this CS off I had. So the match was Scoundrels and Research Station. So we both knew, well, if there's ever a match made for a Kingpin, here you go. And shout out to my opponent for being very gracious. And um, I missed a trigger on a couple things. It didn't end up mattering in the long run. I, I think it could have mattered later, but it, it ultimately didn't matter. But he also, at the beginning of the game, I brought this as a robbery just because I had Rhino. And I was just like, oh, yeah, you bring Rhino, you bring this as a robbery. And wasn't thinking about it. And he let me switch that out. So I want to say thank you so much to him for letting me do that really fun opponent really smart opponent it was really great and um, a fun matchup and what ended up happening is so i had kingpin rhino pyro and killmonger and he had kingpin rhino bullseye and red skull master of hydra and we talked about it like he thought that Red Skull was a, a pretty strong character, especially in CS. And I think he is, in general, a, a very strong character, actually. But that's a, a another conversation, I guess. But it was a very evenly matched game, and I willfully gave up the researcher early, and I think I did it a little, like, too much at the the cost of trying to KO Red Skull. That was my plan was don't let Red Skull pop off because if Red Skull pops off, it's bad news bears for me. And I had, like I said, I had Killmonger, so obviously Usurp the Throne was there. And my thought was that if I don't maximize the damage into Red Skull, then I'm going to be in trouble and maybe not even get an opportunity to activate Killmonger with Usurp the Throne up and all of that stuff. So ended up, you know, I got that off. Uh, Killmonger got the days. I got some sweet beams. And by sweet beams, Merzane, I mean, we're talking three characters with the flames being stoked. Sweet beams. On Pyro. Spicy. It was awesome. The damage didn't really work out, but everyone was on fire. That's all you need. That's all you need. And... (laughs) We talked about it after the game was over. So my opponent ended up winning 15 to 14. I had him down to Kingpin and Bullseye by the end of the game. He just had Kingpin and Bullseye, I think. Uh, I, I think I took out his Rhino. Yeah, I think I took out his Rhino. Either way, I dazed his Rhino. I don't remember how it all went down. But but either way, his Kingpin was healthy. And I thought, well, if I can daze Kingpin here, then that gives me the, the dub with my Killmonger, who somehow survived on one health for way too long. But... What I should have done was, I think I did KO his Rhino. Yeah, KO'd his Rhino with Killmonger, and I should have moved Killmonger over to an objective that his Kingpin could not have gotten to. 
or I should have, or well, that's what I should have done to score enough points to take it to another round. And if we had taken it to another round, there was no question I was going to win because I had uh, Rhino, who was, I think, still healthy. I had my Kingpin, who had no damage on his injured side and was juiced up on power. His Kingpin had been thrown into no man's land by my Kingpin. And it was just, it was one of those things where it was going to swing my way if I'd have been able to take it to another round, but I just wasn't able to score just enough points in that final sixth round to give it that extra round. So it was a really great game, and it was one of those things where Criminal Syndicate, if, obviously that matchup, uh, the mirror match, was something interesting, but like Criminal Syndicate on stuff like Scoundrels and Research Station, it is hard to beat that it is hard to beat it yeah it really is there's a lot of stuff going for them in that uh matchup yeah yeah so it it was really great fun and it's one of those things where like playing criminal syndicate was a lot of fun i stole priority at like the perfect time and just was able to you know just play that game and it was it's fun playing criminal syndicate was a lot of fun i get why they're so popular they're they're a lot of fun a lot of fun but we're not here to talk about Crimson and their goodies. We're here to talk about, of course, the Wands over Baghdad roster. <laughs> so what's with this name for this roster, by the way? I thought it kind of rhymed. I don't know. Like, for whatever reason, I have just listened to, you know, Bombs Over Baghdad. Uh, that song by Outkast. You know what I'm talking about? You know, Bombs uh-huh, Over uh-huh. Baghdad. You know that song. I probably do. Okay. If you <laughs> that's, don't, that's what made you that's what made you think about it? Yeah, I was just listening to this song and I was like, oh well, Wands over Baghdad sounds very similar to Bob's over Baghdad. You know, it's this it's it's sort of somewhat similar. And then I was like, Well, I've already got a Wizards and Wires, and I'm I've also been playing the uh, the that Harry Potter Hogwarts legacy game. And I was like, Oh, well, what if I do the Wizarding World? But I was like, ah, that's I don't know if I want to do that. And so I was just like, oh, yeah, let's do your wands over Baghdad. You know, like, anyways, if you haven't listened to that song, just, just, it's an old school outcast song. It's Andre 3000 at his best. Just enjoy it. But, anyways, so obviously, this is a convocation roster, Merzane. And it's one of those things where I've talked a lot before about how. I love my convocation. I want to try some different stuff. But with these recent releases, I'm over here just like, oh, man, I think there's some play here. So mm-hmm. when I look at Emma Frost, when I look at Psylocke, Rhino, Spider-Woman, all of these characters, Pyro, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, these these guys could legit play in convocation. So I'm trying to... To do that, I'm just trying to to put these things in convocation and see if there is something that unlocks the final key to the championship puzzle. Mm-hmm. So I initially made a roster that had 19 characters in it, and I was going to like whittle that down, but I've already taken out three of them, so we're down to 16 characters here. And Only 16. Yeah, I've added in 12 tactics cards. And then I've got my secure and extract crisis. 
So mm-hmm. let's start with characters. We've got Ancient One, Baron Mordo, Clea, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, Doctor Voodoo, and Wong. Those are the probably no questions asked characters that we're going to have in here. We'll talk about Ancient One in a second. I think she's might be on the chopping block. Did I say Clea? Oh, yeah, I put Clea in. Again, you know, because okay. reasons. Then I've added in Beta Ray Bill, Emma Frost, Lizard, Magic, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos, Pyro, Psylocke, Rhino, Spider-Woman, and everybody's favorite Bucky, Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Obviously, there's a lot more than the required 10 characters here, Merzane. But, I mean, what do you think? What, 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 are, you, what are your initial thoughts? Um, I think you got a lot of stuff going on in here. Um, like, a lot of conflicting streams. Like, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos is one that I look at. And to me, it looks like Winter Soldier and Pyro fill out his roles for you. And then I look at, like, Rhino and Lizard, and they kind of fill similar roles, and Beta mm-hmm. Ray Bill, and I'm, I'm just wondering where a lot of these, these splashes are, are coming from. What, what, is your, what are your goals with some of these? So I'm with you in that it's very conflicting in terms of why certain characters are here. And I do agree with you, Nick Fury and the boys and Winter Soldier fill a similar role. Fury and the boys is here because of the hop and the idea of like stealth and then saying, okay, the the playing a little wider option, being able to got your back for two power, stuff like that. Like that's basically a a play wide be be more spread out kind of situation and then oh, okay you need to get in there well here's a hop go go do some stuff but mm. i don't think i need that i think i need it so so there's that winter soldier also got your back it's a little more expensive which is fine he's a rogue agent so i can play a little differently than what i would maybe have to do like i can say okay i'm going to go voodoo Strange Supreme Winter Soldier, and then splash in some other things. So there's a thought there. And then also, like I said, the got your back. He's got his Hydra tactics. We've talked about Red Fury being such a great attack earlier. So I like Bucky here a lot. And again, I think when we talk about crisis selection, that's where Bucky comes into play a little more, is Mm -hmm. saying, okay, cool. Well, maybe if we're playing... Uh, deadly meteors you can have Bucky on one side kind of supporting or Bucky on the back or maybe if we try to put in like an extremist console or something like that maybe Bucky plays there so so that's why Winter Soldier's here so you mentioned Rhino and Lizard well they do fill similar roles Lizard's cheaper and I'm pretty much always playing Sexy Strange or the Superior Strange as I like to call him but I don't have to right I don't have to play Supreme Strange but Let's be honest, that's what I'm doing most of the time. That's my comfort zone, right? It's my, right. It's my place where I feel the safest. It's, it's my panic room, if you will. <laughs> so Lizard, I like because he's cheap. He's got the damage reduction and then the healing factor with Mordo making his 
um, Tail Whip go up to a six dice with the Wild Push. It's really nice. It's one of those things where I don't think it's necessarily the best, but it is a nice bit of tech that you can use and surprise people with, I think. So I do like that. And again, if you're playing something wide, like if you're playing Infinity Formula or something where you're kind of splitting your force a little bit, pairing Mordo and Lizard together to do that combo is a bit of a nice thing. Rhino could also accept that combo and not really have too much of a negative effect because he'll get the ornery of getting that extra power when he gets the damage from the ability and then right. being able to say, okay, well, I'm going to gore you with seven dice from Mordo and then stampede you with another seven dice seems really nice. Or just one big nine die gore if you really need it. Well, exactly. And, and, that's, and that's what I was going to say. is like you could say, okay, well, Orton's just straight up nine dice. So I really like that. And then I really love being able to throw size four terrain because like I'm, uh, I didn't mention this in the matchup, but by the end of the game with my opponent this past week, there was no terrain in the middle of the board. And that's because it had literally all been thrown. And buffing up Rhino to get him the power to throw stuff and stampede all the time is pretty easy. And then when he does take that damage, being able to hop, I think is is really, really nice. Now, Rhino is not quite as defensive as Lizard, I think. I mean, even though he's got more stamina, one more on each side, his defenses are net weaker. But I think Rhino, with robbery and everything, really plays with Convocation. Yeah. So, so that's why the two of them are there. And then we talk about Pyro. I think Pyro is just good. Being able to root and slow my opponents, I think, is going to be insanely good. Being able to incinerate people also. I mean, obviously incinerating is great, but... We all know from, if you've listened to this for a while, heard me talk about how I play my Convocation and everything, I do like to fight with my Convocation. So being able to soften up the targets a little bit with a Pyro is something that I think is really nice. Mm -hmm. And you did mention Beta Ray Bill in there, so I'm explaining that one as well. So Lizard, BRB, and Rhino all kind of fit similar roles. And I do feel like that of the three of them, I have to take one of them. I can't take two. I definitely can't take all three of them. Beta Ray Bill is interesting to me because I can leverage a character like Clea who has a placement or use Doctor Strange's placement to get him into position to do what he wants to do, which is throw that size four. And again, the... Throwing size four characters with him, I think, is really strong. Being able to throw it medium. And then I also really like the idea of a summon the storm to shock people. Now, it's not as cheap as a way to do it with, like, a Crimson Dynamo. Like, I think a Crimson Dynamo, if I really wanted to go after shock, would be good. But I think summon the storm with the attacking characters that have flight could be really nice. Being able to reroll the two dice, including the skull results. I think that's just naturally a good thing and then having the power extra power during the power phase to be able to 
move, interact with an objective, and then do other stuff, I think is also something that I kind of really like in this list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and being able to, in a way, outpower my opponent with a character like Beta Ray Bill, and he's on that that big base, 50 millimeter base. So, I don't know, maybe I'm rambling a little too much, but they all bring something different, and it's just what I want to do with them and when I would deploy them, I think, is is where the the things kind of matter. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So, and you're not going to like it, I think my first two drops, for now, because we don't know enough, are going to be Emma Frost and Psylocke. I'll drop uh, one, not both. I hmm, I would probably keep Emma if you had to keep one. Okay, why? I think she does a little bit more with stopping her own collisions, um, having the diamond form for throws. I think she's just a little bit more... Um, flexible and then also having a character that stops opposing uh tactics cards during her activation is extremely powerful so um i've been thinking about this and i agree with you it is very powerful but it's it's only during her activation i don't have any way to do stuff on her activation with any of my other characters and not that that's like a prerequisite for getting the benefit out of it, but I just feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking about it too much and thinking about it in the wrong terms, but it's only her. And if, and when I look at her, her psychic spike where a wild and a hit to advance the target short, I love the control. I love it. I think having control is really good, but it's still a trigger that you're not guaranteed to hit. And then you mentioned the throw size three or less within range two throw at medium. Super good. But she already wants to be spending her power while she's in the normal form. I think, you know, shield mind is nice, but it's, I think it's only great when you're playing into something like web warriors. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking about that wrong too. I mean, I don't know. I think I'm trying to talk myself into Psylocke more so than, you know, I, I've been really <laughs> thinking about Emma because I, I'm I'm with you. I think she plays the five Mystic Defense Ironbound books. Sounds amazing. But that's only yeah. one turn. We know it's more than one turn, though. <laughs> well, not without grunts. Um. So... Here's the other thing, though. Uh, we, you don't have a lot of things to take advantage of in there. Um, superpowers. But what you do have is hands off her spender. Um, if you roll a wild, you can throw their Hulk into someone else and they can't freeze it. Yeah. Um, or they can't indomitable it. Yeah. Uh, that is, or into someone like, uh, what is it, Magneto or... Any of the other characters that like can spend a power to like an amount of power to not get, or Hulkbuster, for example. Yeah. 
Um, I think they're usually pushes that they that they ignore. Um, but any character that's like that that would ignore a throw or an advance, they can't use those powers. So she becomes a really good choice for you to take out characters like Juggernaut. But Juggernaut's a little bit hard because of the Mystic. Uh, Magneto, again, a little bit hard because of the Mystic. Um, or other, like, Inured to Pain-style characters. Right. And I think that that's something that you don't really have a lot of access to. I think typically what you do is you control them. But Emma gives you a way to kill them uh, where they can't use their superpowers. And you can also do face me shenanigans to get her to her, di- to her diamond form uh, to do an area attack. And that area attack is a pretty good area attack if you can get it set up. It's, um, uh, it's really not, though. Being able to do crit pierce is pretty cool. Uh, it's not the best, but if you're stuck on that side, you can shatter, go back to normal, and then force someone to like move away from you. Or you could move them into you, face me, then they have the choice they can try to hit you. If they do, then you change, and then you can shatter. It's, it's interesting, Merzane, but I don't think shatter's ever worth it, uh, unless she's about to die. Honestly. Because you'd rather just, if you get forced back into normal form, well then you're not able to do hands-off, which is what you really want. And Mm -hmm. then the crit pierce, like, okay, you get an extra die and you're piercing one of theirs. Like, it's nothing to scoff at. I I get that. And I probably did scoff a little bit. There's nothing to scoff at. (laughs) But I just feel like six power and to the benefit being minimal and i don't know like seven dice that's the sweet spot for me merzane that is the sweet spot but i feel like there's a lot of ways to get around area attacks in the game right now i haven't had a ton of success with them recently uh even with with sexy strange and it's one of those things where i think like psychic immunity on her diamond form is the best thing being able to not be pushed or advanced from superpowers and stuff and just sitting on a point that's the best thing and then the other reason why she's here is it gives me a demons downtown play where i can potentially have three characters that are immune to incinerate on the board at the same time in voodoo emma and clea Mm -hmm. that that is why she's here and the functional immunity that she has to incinerate and what i mean by that is like even though on her normal form she doesn't have immunity to incinerate as soon as she's targeted by anyone except for Mystique, literally any other character in the game, targets her with an attack, she can change to diamond form and clear off that incinerate immediately. So mm-hmm. that is is a big reason why she's here. And playing something where it's like, okay, you've got Strange and Voodoo, that gives you 9, Clea gives you 12, and then Emma gives you 17... And then you throw a Wong in there and you're at 19. If your opponent chooses 19 on demons, that feels pretty good. You can play the objective while they can't, most likely. And then, again, being able to move characters with bend will and stuff like that seems really nice. And not being able to be moved off with shield mind or stuff like that. And then, like you said, telekinetic deflection being immune to collisions. But... I don't know. I just, I don't know, man. 
is that worth enough? And and I don't want I'm trying to not be so dicey. Like I know I just talked about like buffing up a rhino and a lizard and stuff, but I'm trying to think of ways where I can be less reliant on dice, play objective better, and and try to win more that way instead of just like, okay, I'm gonna play from behind, kick the shit out of you, and then try to come back late. I, I want I want to play a little more forward. Now I do agree with you, Emma and Psylocke, because there is a lot unknown right now, is definitely an option for dropping. But I mean, I'm just I find it interesting that you think Emma is more valuable than Psylocke in this list right now. Well, I think you said part of uh, one of the reasons too is that you're looking for something that's got a little bit more objective play and control. And I think Emma does that a lot better than Psylocke. Oh. Psylocke's one thing is killing people. Yes. Emma Frost can kill, maybe not quite as effectively, but from range. And she's got several ways to control people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, one of the things I find interesting with Emma is it's definitely hard to determine when to switch versus when to be in normal form. Because if it's before her activation and my opponent targets her with a physical attack, she only has the two physical defense and I have to switch to diamond form. I will get the placement. If I take a damage and I have the leadership on the Circle of the Cosmos side, I'll get another placement, which gets me into diamond strike range. I definitely like and like you said setting up a shatter isn't necessarily the worst idea I don't love it but it's not the worst idea but I think that's a way to mess with Emma is to say okay cool we're not going to let you get a psychic spike we're not going to let you get a hands off we're going to target Emma and if you don't change she's going to die that's true but you also have to think you have several ways out of that uh, you have the um, the placement from your leadership on top of the transformation if you need it. Right. Uh, that's a lot of distance. Um, the leadership is going to be a, more than likely enough to get you out of like significant danger. And if she's in a place where she's in danger, you're probably under Book's turn, right? Yeah. So it's not like she's going to constantly be... Getting, and if she's the one getting focused and not someone else... I think you're fine with that. Like you'd rather her than Sorcerer Supreme or uh, whoever else you have bringing work. Cause at least she can defend herself. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. Oh man, this is so tough. There's a lot of, <laughs> you have a lot of characters you want to play. Well, it's not just that I have a lot of characters I want to play. I also want to, again, like take that next step forward. Like, I don't feel like I'm tapped out on Convocation, which is why I haven't moved on to really diving into anything else, is because I still feel like there's room to grow with them, especially with some of these new characters. And I just worry that I'll be betting on the wild and the hit on Psychic Spike to get the advance more often than playing. Uh, maybe, and maybe I'm just thinking about it too much. I think I am. But let's talk about Psylocke for a second and why I like her in this list and why you don't. Um, I just think that there's more efficient force for you. I mean, you, you've got Voodoo. Like, when did she come in over Voodoo? When did she come in over if we had Spider-Woman, Spider-Woman? Um, 
Ancient One. A lot of people compare to Ancient One, and I don't think that's exactly the best uh, comparison. I think they're different. I think I think you're different. Yeah. I think Ancient One fits your control style a little better. She has the capability to kill, but she's also going to be doing a lot more, um, a lot more control for your list. Um, and Psylocke just doesn't do that yet. We, you know, she may get a tactics card that changes that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We may be talking about something that's not going to be, uh, the case soon, but, um, you know, I, I, I just, I just think Emma does more if we're going to have to, if we're going to have to have one of these two, I would rather have Emma for a control style. So you know what I mean? I I feel that. And and I did I'm a I'm about to extremely contradict myself, we're saying. Okay. Like I, I know what I'm gonna I know what someone out there is gonna be like, well, you just said this, and, and now you're saying that. Yes. I do want to play the objective better. I want to to control while still being violent in that way. Psylocke does not give me any form of control other than the tried and true you control them through killing them option, which is extremely dicey. But I think Psylocke has a lot of consistency to her kit that is only rivaled by the superior strange in this list in terms of like when you look at a character, like they're not the same ancient one is not often when it happens, but when you somehow don't do damage on an astral strike, let me tell you, it's the worst. It's the literal worst. Because, oh, the only thing you cared about was the stagger. But guess what? You have now done no damage and no stagger. Congratulations, your dice are terrible. I do like Ancient One's control elements. The Winds of Watum is a is my go-to tech for the Groot and Rocket nonsense. It's my favorite thing because, oh, cool, yeah, I I left Ancient One out here for you to attack, Rocket. Please, please shoot Ancient One. And then, oh, now I've got three power and you're now being moved away from Groot and now Rocket is dead. It's my favorite thing. And then the placement, again, movement for days, really great movement, pretty defensive with the rerolls and stuff. But that's about the way that Ancient One's control works is... Objective denial with Winds of Watum. It's really nice, but it's also really like kind of hard thing to um, understand when to deploy that and when to deploy Ancient One. Because again, you're probably not deploying Ancient One or Psylocke or Emma over a character like Voodoo. Voodoo and Emma, you could maybe make a case for, but most of the time you're going to have Voodoo, honestly. Mm-hmm. So, and I did a lot of playing convocation without voodoo just to see what it was like and uh yeah no (laughs) you want voodoo every time but when i think about psylocke and i think about having a character that can methodically work across the board and say okay even if she's only taking out three threats she's a four threat she's taking out three threats being able to really just ramp that damage the way that she can and again pairing her with a mordo okay she doesn't love taking the damage but being able to layer in multiple seven dice builder attacks 
that's that's hard for people to survive. Who gets multiple seven die builders? Psylocke, if she does, oh, if, if she do... does the telekinetic combat enhancement, and then does another one with voodoo or inverse, does voodoo first, and then does a telekinetic combat enhancement. Yeah, I mean, you're you're moving first of all, like you're getting around the board, and then you're also just killing crap. But again, are you wanting to kill or are you wanting to be to look for control? I'm wanting to play the objective better. And and here's another here's another aspect to this. I I've played the slow game a lot with convocation. And I don't think I have to. I don't think I have to play something like intrusions or demons just to slow the game down. Because ultimately I'm gonna lose to teams like Weapon X even though that's probably a bad example because they have a low mystic and I have high mystic stuff, obviously, but teams that can be a little more defensive outlast me a little longer have been the things I've struggled against. And so I do think having a character like Psylocke that can ramp that damage and then lean into the objective play, like, okay, cool, I'm going to attack you with my seven dice buffed from Mordo, and then I'm going to telekinetic combat enhancement to get on the objective. If you're not dead, I'm going to hit you with another seven dicer. Then I've got all this power for defensive rerolls. And then I've got my placement on top of that, probably within range two. Then I'm stealth and you can't hit me anyways. I, I just, I really do think there's some, there's objective through offense play with Psylocke that you don't really have there with Emma. And maybe I'm thinking about it wrong, but that's where my head's going. I just think it's, um, you're kind of like, I think it's kind of splitting what you want to do a little bit. Because, again, like when you're talking about objective play, that usually means you're controlling the objectives through enemy displacement. Sometimes your own displacement so you can get back on point. Having an assassin doesn't really fit that, particularly when you have characters in affiliation that can also do that same role, right? Like you can, Strange can kill, Ancient One can kill, Voodoo can kill. Um, Mordo is going to be there to help you do that. And that's kind of his role, is he does a little bit of the moving himself. Yeah. He can't. You can't push him off a point because he's just going to come back. Um, but he also helps buff up some of your guys to get to that point. And now we're having another character here that's only doing that. And again, I just, I just don't know where you take her over ancient one because they're going to fill similar roles in your list, but she's more streamlined. She's more doing one thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <sighs> so like a lot, like I think Psylocke, I, I think both wouldn't aren't, super cohesive. I, I like Emma Frost with the idea of objective control better though. Yeah. Um, okay. But how about this? So, so if the idea, so this is all still test mode of Adepticon list and I don't, I do not care about making cuts or anything like that. This season, I am here to learn and get better this season as it, as it relates to season exceptional healing season experience season get better so 
I think there's an argument for if I'm going to play this list in the upcoming week, so after I play my match this, this Friday, by the way, then I think we do one, and then here locally, just at home when I'm playing randomly, I do the other just to try it out. I think so. If you're feeling Emma this week, then I think maybe what we do is we put Emma in and take Psylocke out. I think that's fine. Yeah. For now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and I report back with my findings after just one game, <laughs> th- which will be definitive. <laughs> you know I think I mean? that's fine. Cool. So another character that I think is on the chopping block is Magic. I love Magic. Y'all know I love Magic. She's one of my favorite characters in this game. However, I don't think that there's going to be a, a situation where I play her unless it's a threat value combination. Like, cause she, she has objective play with the displacement that she can have and stuff like that. But she also is kind of a bit of an assassin with her soul sword and dark Clyde attack. So, I mean, the, the best thing is, is on the book's turn, she is excellent. But other than that, I'd rather try to fit in a rhino, a pyro, lizard somebody else over magic right now so i'm taking magic out because i want to fit in a pyro a lizard or a rhino i like magic but like you said she's more of an assassin she has a once per game ability to move people and i don't think that's what you want i'm like i played a little bit of magic in um midnight suns and in uh an x-men list that i built on morlocks and i like her a lot but there's a lot of time if you're bringing her uh what is it Dirty through, through limbo. People kind of play around it. And when they look at like, oh, who do I want to go up against magic? They just put people that kill magic or don't die to her. And yep. then she ends up not getting a whole lot of work done. Typically. So I, I think that you want all of your characters getting work done or helping someone else get work done. I agree. So we've got four slots that we need to fill like i feel like we've taken a lot of time just talking about emma and psylocke here but we still have to whittle this down four more slots and we've got out of affiliation characters left beta ray bill lizard fury and the boys winter soldier pyro rhino spider woman i think fury and the boys yeah is my next job i think so I think too you use them for um uh incinerate and movement i don't think you need the movement benefits you've got plenty of movement and you use them for uh you don't need them for incinerate because you have pyro i think pyro is better for that i agree i agree so beta ray bill rhino or spider woman because i don't think we can take all three well obviously we can't take all three we've got three spots less left and maybe Spider Woman is not the fair comp. Maybe it's BRB, Rhino, or Lizard. I do think that one of those has to go. Yeah. And I think Spider Woman's also in that. I think you were right about Spider Woman being in there. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, there's three character slots left. And it's. I think it's really between those four characters, BRB, Lizard, Rhino, Spider Woman, we've got to whittle those down. Because Pyro and Winter Soldier, I think, are staying. Yes. Um, I don't think you need Spider-Woman. 
I think she does too many things that Dr. Voodoo does. Like with the objective control. Yeah. And like having a fast, well, she is a fast move stealth character. Right. And, and here's, here's the thing here. Here is why I was like, I think Spider-Woman plays one, the poison shock or stun on her neuro disruption. Yes. It's a wild trigger, but it's a four each. So if you get lucky, good things happen. Stunning, shocking, all of that stuff. Those are things that, as a convocation player, I love doing to my opponent. Then you layer into that, okay, if I did do the poison, being able to intoxicating blast and move people, steal their stuff, and then run away, sounds, I mean, just like, yeah, she does the same thing Voodoo does, but different. Whereas Voodoo fully shuts down the objective play, which, you know, you, you can't beat that in the game right now with what he does, even though we've seen that he is nowhere near as ubiquitous as he once was. But I think Spider-Woman enables you to say, okay, cool. If I do play violence, if I do get violent at the right time, I can then play the interrogate option of like, okay, cool. I'm going to kick your butt a little bit and then interrogate you to really help my objective play in that way. And I think that maybe you could say, okay, strange voodoo as a nine point thing. And then maybe you throw Wong in there to make it 11. Then you're playing spider woman, giving you 15. I don't hate that. Right. So who do you take out to make room for her? That's the thing. It's it's got to be Beta Ray Bill, Lizard, or Rhino. I think Beta Ray Bill. <sighs> I think it's Beta Ray Bill too, man. But but we were talking about earlier being immune to bleed and incinerate and poison, especially the incinerate and playing demons. Like demons is in my list, people, and it's not coming out. <laughs> but like the, having a literal entire squad immune. To incinerate sounds awesome. I think that is true. But is it necessary? Probably definitely not. <laughs> like Pro- I think that I think what, what's happened is we have a lot of really good ideas and we really need to to, to say a few of them aren't going to cut it. Yeah, right? this is this is accurate. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, um, man, I just, I love the idea of like, okay, cool. You threw down a Malekith. You threw down a Sentinel. You threw down a Juggernaut. Okay, cool. I'm going to God Hunter you. Like, I just, I love that kind of stuff. Oh, Hulk, Hulk's coming in. Cool. Get God Huntered. Is God Huntered better than just controlling them though? Most of the time. Um, well, it depends, right? I, I mean, Probably, probably not, but I can't out control a Malekith, but he's not as popular as he once was, but I don't have the level of control, I think, to truly deal with a Malekith. And then when it comes to a character like Juggernaut, with his helmet, my control is limited. It's not terrible, but it's limited. 
and Beta Ray Bill with the ability to throw size four characters or terrain medium and then God Hunter, obviously you've got to hit three triggers, but if you're rolling it into size three or four characters, omnidirectional throw. I mean, Beta Ray Bill is what Black Swan is, but without the power gem. And I love Black Swan. He's very similar to Black Swan, but he doesn't like... I think there's a lot of things that Black Swan does, like he incinerates, right? Oh, look, Black Swan is is my boo. I need to play her more, but she just freaking dies so easy. I think... All right. I think it's Beta Ray. Because I think Rhino is too good. Yeah. Dang it. Rhino is incredibly good. Yeah. So, okay, now we're down to Spider-Woman, Lizard, Rhino. I want to put Clea back in. Just How many people do we have to take out? We need two more left. We got two slots left. Spider-Woman, Lizard, and Rhino. (sighs) And I I don't... so many fours. I I know. That's the thing. Like, Ancient... I I could... I I love Ancient One, but I could say we She's droppable? I don't think so. It's yeah, and I don't I don't love that idea. I, I think Lizard's probably the go right now, but like the three threat of Lizard is really nice when you have a five threat sexy strange here. What if we didn't take Sorcerer Supreme Strange too? But you mean like not in the list at all? What if we took the other strange? So I've been thinking about that. I really have. Because, but, all right, if we do that, then I think we put Psylocke back in because I, I've got to have that kill, man. I feel like I've, I've got to have, the, like, Sorcerer Supreme, maybe I think about it in the wrong terms, but he is such a damage-dealing threat. And when I play into Weapon X and stuff like that, he is invaluable. Invaluable. Because he has that range 5 that can be a mystic attack. Mm-hmm. It, it makes it hard for me to want to take him out. Now, there is an argument to taking out Lizard, Spider-Woman, and maybe Clea and putting in OG Strange and then determining the situations to use which. Maybe. God, it's just so hard. You have so many high threat I know. To figure out what to do. I know. Hmm. And suits. I hope that this is interesting to you guys because this is obviously a huge episode that we're doing here. But this is what it is when you're really down in the dirt trying to figure out a roster, and it's like Merzane and I have been talking about where. There's a lot of great ideas you can have, but you really have to distill that down into a more focused vision. And that's what we're trying to do here with this discussion. And I hope that it's been interesting for y'all. I hope that it's not just been like a get on with it kind of thing. And let us know what you think. Let let us know with emails, messages on Facebook, messages on Discord, what you think we should do in these situations, whether you would take Emma or Psylocke whether you think Spider-Woman, Rhino, Beta Ray Bill is worth it. And I'm bringing Clea up again here just because, look, I have 
severe PTSD from when I killed my own Clea with Descendant of the Fall Team. That does not mean that I think Clea is a bad character. I just haven't played her since then, literally since then, because of that move. But I do think she is a actually nice piece in Convocation, but I think she's valuable for playing faster scenarios. So something like Sword Base, where she can activate late and throw someone off, or maybe a Deadly Meteors, kind of a similar thing, activate, throw someone off, go score that point. Those kind of things is where I think she becomes valuable, but I don't think she is a necessary character in this roster, but to your point, we have a lot of high-threat characters, so we want to try to not shoehorn ourselves into certain threat value matchups. Yep. So just curious, what does your list look like right now? I have Ancient One, Mordo, Beta Ray Bill, Clea, Sorcerer Supreme, Voodoo, Emma Frost, Lizard, Magic. Oh, remove Magic. Yep, and I took Beta Ray Bill out. Beta Ray Bill out, okay. Yep. So we're looking at 12. Yep. So I have Spider-Woman, Winter Soldier, Rhino, Pyro. Yeah. Do we need Winter Soldier? I, Are there point values you can't access with character combinations you feel you need? So here is the rub. What is my biggest weakness? It is physical attacks at range when I don't have the books up, which is a very, like, there's a lot of caveats there, obviously. But that's my biggest weakness. And I feel like... Having a character like Winter Soldier that says, okay, cool, you attack Clea, take an assault rifle to the face. I will say, though, sometimes getting that three power is harder than you'd think. Oh, I do know this. It can be very difficult to get all of the uh, stuff you need. Well, I mean, yeah, he's dicey. He's rolling four dice. Yeah, okay, you get the rapid fire, but it's it's... Definitely not guaranteed. And this is not the quote unquote best place for him in terms of like access to rerolls and stuff like that. So I like Bucky. I want, I feel like Bucky's a deterrent, right? That That's what I feel like he is, is a deterrent of, okay, you attack Mordo, you're within range five of Bucky, get wrecked. You attack Clea, you're within range five of Bucky, get wrecked. You attack Strange when he doesn't have the books up and you get lucky, get wrecked. Or or Voodoo when he's possessed somebody, get wrecked. Like that's that's why he's here and you're right, it is hard to get that three power on him at times. But I do think that there is an aspect of the the mental game of it where you say like, oh, if I attack Wong, right? Like, I mean, you got Wong sitting there, the juiciest of juicy targets. Well, okay, cool. You dazed Wong. Well, now you're getting shot. I don't know. I just don't think it's enough, especially if you're looking for an objective control. Like, he does have the any size push, but you do have an any size place within three on your on your big strange. Yeah, I'm not really worried about that aspect of it. So... So maybe there's two versions of a list that we're building here. This one is the control version, and then we got the killy version that we'll do another time. Yeah. 
and we'll put Winter Soldier in that one. Cool. Taking taking Bucky out, even though it makes me a little bit sad. And I think with that in mind, you probably take Pyro out. Actually, or I was going to say, like- hear me out. This is going to this is going to blow your mind. What I'm about to say. Uh huh. Take Rhino out because he mm. doesn't have any way other than robbery to displace people. That's true. <clears throat> but there's something to be said about someone who can rob, um, who is very hard to kill, and who can, like, being anywhere on the board at once is very good. That's my thing with Rhino, is being anywhere on the board at once. But if we're trying to pair down the higher threat characters, trying to, I mean, robbery is going to cost you what is it, two power? Mm-hmm. Whereas Spider-Woman for just three power can still steal objectives? Yeah, and you have Voodoo. Okay. And we've got Voodoo. You've convinced me. You've convinced me. Okay. Rhino I, I, and Pyro leave. Whoa, whoa, why Pyro? We're, we're, so that you can add OG Strange. Oh, okay. Oh, man, but Pyro's so good. But you don't need him. He's only doing incinerates. He is only, he's not only doing incinerates, he's also rooting and slowing people. And one of the things about this convocation list, even with OG Strange, like let's, if we find a place for OG Strange, with this convocation list, if you root people, you are winning the power game every time. That's why Pyro's here. He's here to catch people on fire, yes. But really, the firewall root and slow I, I feel like that has value I think it has value but I think it's better as a control supplement in an attack build because the primarily what he's going to do and spend his power on is getting lots of damage and getting lots of incinerates out but you're, you're not really going to be sitting in the back like shooting people hoping for power so that you can root and slow a guy okay like, there's a lot more things you can do for three with that. I mean, you could take Valkyrie and throw someone for three. Fair. Hear me out. There's just the other thought here. Like, I'm not saying that I disagree with you. Uh-huh. What about Ancient One for OG Strange? I think Ancient One and OG Strange make a really good combo. So I, I think that you'd be missing out on a lot. Okay. Uh, because if you do... So, what? like, I was playing against... Um, when I played against... Mike last year or last not last yeah it was last year we talked a little bit about his convocation list he was playing and ancient one pushes pushing into like your strange and your voodoo and everything and pushing people off points was a big part of the list uh because typically the way he would position and play is those are the ones you want he was she was usually the one you wanted to hit especially early yeah and you would get punished for it yes and then if you don't hit her she's in a great position to hit you right I, and I agree with that. So, so I do like that. So, okay, I'll I'll take Pyro out, and we'll throw in OG Strange. Now, do we OG Strange with the Soul? No, we don't Soul Gem. No, we do not do Soul yeah. Gem. It is not worth it. Okay. So, I'm happy with these characters. We're at ten characters finally after almost an hour. <laughs> Ancient One, Baron Mordo, Clea, Doctor Strange Supreme, and Doctor Voodoo, Emma Frost, Lizard, Spider Woman. Wong and OG Strange. 
And we'll talk. I think we can. I think after a couple of test games, when you start to think like, what are your priorities of this list? We can start talking about swapping out some of these characters for like maybe lower threat characters. Yeah, I definitely think there's room for something like a toad or or some other two threat somewhere. But maybe that's another discussion for another time. Tactics cards. So I went back and I put in all the convocation cards again. Just <laughs> just to see, because we've had this conversation before about uh, and I think it's a playstyle thing, right? I need to I need to dissuade myself, divorce myself from a certain playstyle and a certain mindset to improve, I think. So, we've got the Ironbound books because no convocation list is complete without it. Astral Ring, Bane of Dambala, Plane of Poldock, The Bar With No Doors, which is our leadership card, The Book of Cagliostro, The Orb of Agamotto, Brace for Impact, Indomitable, and Double Agent. So, for those of you that might not know about all these convocation cards, Ironbound books, I get to count my mystic attempts defense when I'm targeted by a physical attack. Astral Ring. I get to place a little token within range 3 and then measure my attacks from within that and I contest objectives from that token so it only works on uh, stand and secure things not pay to flips and it doesn't allow you to pick up objectives. Found that out the hard way. Bane of Dambala. I guess this is probably another reason why we don't need Pyro is after I do an attack if I rolled a wild or a hit, I can spend one power and people get rooted. Playing a Poldock, re-roll Mystic Attacks for an entire round into one character. Book of Cagliostro, basically three characters all have to be within range three of each other, and then each of them can spend two power, and you remove an activated token from one of those characters. It's the simplest way to do that, which is really, that's really strong in the right circumstances. Orb of Agamotto, Allows me to, for three power, place within range three. It's excellent. Uh, and we already know what Brace, Indomitable, and Double Agent do. So, I want to talk about Book of Cagliostro for a second, because that's the one that I rarely play. I've played it before. I've never played it competitively. And the reason why, it is very easy to disrupt. Mm-hmm. But. It's also very easy to mess up. It's very easy to mess up. But. When it works, it works. The, the problem I have is I always want to use it on someone like Strange, right? Like Sorcerer Supreme. But he's always using darn near all of his power, maybe leaving himself on one. So having that second power to even play this, because it is a convocation character has to be chosen, the chosen character, and then any two other characters. So the other two characters do not have to be convocation characters. But it's the chosen character has to be a convocation character. So you have to choose someone like Strange, Voodoo, Ancient One, Mordo, Clea, Wong, you know, those kind of characters. They then, all those characters have to spend two. So it's a total of six power, which is reasonable to take an activated token off. But it doesn't mean you immediately get to activate that character. It just means remove the activated token from the chosen character. Well, you it can't. They can immediately activate if it's your turn. I guess yeah, that's right? fair. They can immediately at the beginning of the turn. You can you could do yeah. it. It's you can't activate them again, right? So, I'm I want to play around with this card more, but I feel like in a competitive environment, it is very hard to do to do. But I do think that the new sword base is a very good crisis to try this on. Mm -hmm. 
So let me ask you, what would you add in overbook? Because the list you sent me, you also have this is a robbery, which I've taken out. So we have nine cards to play with. Well, I added in double agent after I sent that list to you. Okay, so we have double agent. So we do have a full 10. Yes. Let me get that down. Boop. Um, so what would you put over book? And here's another good question. Like, I think double agent's really good. Uh, one of the weird things about double agent I found out in my last game was that uh, that just continues to happen. Like, it's not just the next time that character activates that round. It's the next time they activate, get an activation token, remove it from Spider-Woman. Which, side note, does that happen even if she's dazed? So, like, if that character activates, dazes her, and then gets the token, does the double agent go away? Uh, that's a good question. I would say the way it's worded, the it, there, there's no round limitation on it. So, why would the double agent token go away? I would say because the the it has been fulfilled. That character has activated. So so that's the way I read this is it's at the start of the activation phase an allied Spider-Woman character can spend two power to play this card. So it's at the start of an activation phase in any given round, round one through six, seven, eight, if you continue on. Choose an enemy character. The next time sing it doesn't it doesn't say the you know, each time it says the next time the chosen character gains an activated token, you can remove the activated token from Spider-Woman. So the way I read this is if you don't activate Spider-Woman first and they activate that character, then you've lost the opportunity to, to use this. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I read it too. And, and I don't think there's, it's interesting because it, it's actually, it's not a double agent token that you're putting on somebody. I, I do not think this is a multi-round thing. I think it's only a multi-round thing if you kill that character by mistake. Or, uh, uh, yeah, if you kill that character, like, in the middle of your round. And then they, because they don't get an activated token. Correct, correct. Next round, they can get an activated token. Yeah, I think that's that's the way to look at it there. And and so, basically, if you daze the character that you, you chose to make the double agent. So, like, let's say we're playing each other, and you, I have Spider-Woman and you have uh, Sam, and I say, okay, I'm going to put the double agent on Sam. I activate Spider-Woman right away, and then throughout the course of the round, I daze Sam before you have an opportunity to activate him. He never gained an activated token, so therefore double agent would carry over into the next round. Yeah, that's that's how I would interpret it. So, and unless we get a clarification on the rules, that's how I'm going to play that. And we'll find out one day, maybe. So somebody out there on the rules forum, let us know. But anyways, so you're saying, what would I change out for some, for book? This is where I would put in something more generic. So fall back, face me for Emma. The, even though I don't, I don't love face me for Emma because it costs you three power and she'd rather be spending that power on other stuff than just transforming into diamond mode. Yeah. But but that would be an example of a of an opportunity to to trade that out. But I do feel like one of the reasons why I I only played certain cards originally was this. So Bar with no doors comes in but it's an extra card so you get six tactics cards, which is great. But 
really you still only have five because it's your leadership card. And I would always do Ironbound, Brace, Indom, one, two, three. Playing a Poldock would make four because I want the extra potential to, to KO a big target with the rerolls and everything. So that'd be four, automatically set it, forget it. So that would only leave me with one other slot. And there were things like Recal, Marked for Death, Fallback, stuff like that that made more sense than trying to shoehorn in a, one, a one-time use Bane of Dambala or a one-time use Book of Cagliostro. Even though you can use it more than once, it costs you two tactics cards to do it. Uh, it's not worth it. Not worth it. Or, or uh, anyways. What, what I was going to say was I think Bane's probably the better one to pull and probably for something like Mission Objective. Right. And so uh, I agree with you. I think Bane is the weakest of the bunch. I think that you would get, you think, while it does help you control, and I know you'll like that, that aspect of it, I think you would get more out of another activation of any of your characters than you would just putting root on a bunch of people. I agree. And do you think mission objective is more valuable than marked for death or than uh, fallback? Yes. So we see a lot less stuff like black cat and enchantress and the metagame seems to be favoring things like rhinos. This is a robbery. Uh, Dr. Voodoo, a spider woman being able to venom blast or whatever it's called. Cause it's the same, the same attack as a right, right. Yeah. Similar yeah. attack to miles and mission objective helps you with all of those. This is true. And I think that that probably makes it a really good choice into the upcoming environment because you're going to be seeing a lot of those characters because they're new and because they're good. Uh, and for versus black cat, there's just nothing you can do. You just have to, you want, there's something you can do. It's a possessor with your Dr. Voodoo. Right. So you would then have a way to eliminate some of the most popular ways to get, get your objectives off of you. Yeah. I like it. All right. Mission objectives in. So our 10 tactics cards, Ironbound books, astral ring, plane, bar with no doors, Cagliostro, or Bavagamoto brace Indom, double agent and mission objective. The last thing I want to talk about is the, Indom and Brace. Brace is in here no matter what. Do yes. I need Indom? Um, so that's another way to get rid of at least part of something like a uh, this is a robbery or the, the juggernaut throw. The ju- yes, that's, that's why it's here. I don't think you need... So let's look at the other the other cards you could take here, right? Your other um, yeah. restricted cards. Uh, I don't think you need advanced R&D. Correct. I've got, I've got Wong. I think it's, I think, yeah, you've got Wong. If you want to do a weird, a weird round, uh, a weird round one play. And you probably don't want to mess with your activations too much. I mean, you could advanced R and D with Wong, but I, I just don't think you need to. I agree. You've got brace, um, disarm. I don't think you want priority that often. And when you do disarm seems okay, but I'm not sure how often you're going to use it in this list. But yeah. it is contention. I think that is a, that is a possibility. Probably I was thinking, the best one. thinking disarm was an option. Follow me. I don't think you'll ever use it. I don't think you'll ever have the power to use it. Yeah. I burned through my power yep. too much. Yep. And then we have patch up. Patch up's another good one. I don't think there's anything wrong with patch up. 
again, you have Wong, but and we have OG Strange also having patch up for the list where you don't have those as good. Um, the issue is you don't really have like a lot of super tanky characters that care. Like that's usually better on characters like Rhino that reduce right. because you're basically getting like two for ones. Exactly. Um, but it's not a bad one. Um, sacrifice. Sacrifice is fantastic and is actually a really good choice. So sacrifice uh, was my thought because I've played that before. Uh, and I think you were watching the match where I had an opportunity to sacrifice into Mordo and I didn't. And we talked about it after the fact and you were like, no. And I was like, yeah, I know I should have done it. I think sacrifice. I think it. So this isn't like you're playing. Um, uh, what's the other affiliation we really like together? Um, Sentinels. Right. Uh, where you don't want your Sentinels to move. And like I'm playing, you know, Dark Dimension and I don't want people to throw uh, the big boy if possible. Right. So it's not like you have that situation. If your guys get knocked into each other, it happens. Well, and it, it does happen, but having a two physical defense on dodge rolls for a, more than a fair few of my people, Emma notwithstanding, it's pretty tough. But now you have Emma to help prevent that. If you feel like that's a that's an issue, so indomitable doesn't mean as much when you have a character that can indom other people. Can Emma indom other people? Doesn't she stop? Throws? Oh yeah, that's right. She right. does have shield mind. Uh, no, she does not stop throws. Oh, it's advances, placed, or pushed. Okay, so and it doesn't it's... stop that particular instance, but you still have brace. Right. A lot of the time, when you do indom, it's a it's a powerful ability. The further the game goes on. And the further the game goes on, like, I feel like the less likely you are to get your heads knocked together because you're going to be far apart. And I think that's the only reason you want Indom. Out, you know, getting pushed off points is bad, but Emma can, once again, we have a character to help shore that up. Yeah, it's not um, for the pushes. It's literally for the the robberies, the do you know who I am's, and the the just, you know, the medium throws where I've got these big bases and they're moving a ridiculous amount. I think a lot of these big bases have ways to like mitigate it. Not the not the damage, but I, I think that you just take the damage because it's going to be more power for you. And most of the time it's probably not going to kill you. And that's where good brace uh, usage will probably save you more. Have you seen you me roll defense brace. dice? Have you seen huh? me roll defense dice saying I'm not going to be dazed? Come on. <laughs> well, what I was going to say was you, it's not that you're not going to be dazed. It's that you, you use your brace not when you're going to take some damage. You use brace specifically when you're in danger of dying. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, sure. if you have five health and someone throws a size three at you, you take it. Well, yeah. Because it won't kill you. Yeah. And I mean, then mm -hmm. if you get your heads knocked together and a guy's on one and the other guy's on two, that can kill both of them. That's a brace. Right. And that actually, so I started playing like that, just like, noticing like you know what this this break this this throw might hurt but it's not going to kill so we'll keep it um and i noticed i kept brace a lot longer and for much more important times and your opponent the longer you keep it it's just going to try to play around it right because like they're not going to throw that size four at you because you're just going to, to brace it right so they're going to try to throw i'm gonna throw the size two at you you're like well that's not going to kill me i'll take it or I'm yeah. going to throw these two guys together. Well, neither of them are going to die, so I'll take it. Yeah. 
And then eventually they get desperate and they spend their whole stack throwing a size four. And you're like, now I brace, but it's round four and you're desperate. So now I just negated your comeback. Yeah. No, I like it. And then I think, I think Indom like is just insurance, but you don't need it. I think you'd rather have sacrifice because sacrifice does the same thing, but for certain attacks, like people are going to look at something like an iron fist attack, which will kill you. That will just end your entire game. Right. This list, I think. And they're going to say, <laughs> oh, well, you have sacrifice. I, I can't do it. Yeah. Okay. So I think in an effort to mix up my play, because that is part of the argument with this, this changes that we've made here, I'm going to put in sacrifice in an in a effort to change my thinking. Right. Okay. So question, question about the leadership real quick. Do you get to place on enemy effect or enemy attack? It is enemy effect. Okay. So when they throw you with these big throws, at, just out of position, if you hit in contact, you can you can hop back a little bit. Correct. And mitigate a little bit. Yep. It is, it is when an allied character suffers damage from an enemy effect, but it's only once per turn. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, once per turn per character, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, a once per turn situation. So, or no, it is it is a... Once per turn. So a character may be placed by this leadership once per turn. So yeah. Yep. Once per turn. So what that's also interesting too is that you can um you can use that to get people into sacrifice range. Exactly. So anyways, I, I think we're pretty good on the tactics cards. So I've I've taken yep. out the Indom and we put in sacrifice. So Let's talk about crises real quick, and then we got to finish this baby off because whoo we we've this is the longest HPP episode officially. Heck yeah, heck yeah! Some people say they like the long ones. That's why we have a nice break spot right in the middle of like, hey, you can stop here or continue on, or mm -hmm. I could just break it into two episodes. But who wants to do that? Uh, <laughs> so we've got secure crises, demons downtown, sword base. And Deadly Meteors, so 19, 15, 17. I'll explain my logic on all three of these. Demons, I have two, three functionally characters immune. Emma is functionally immune. Voodoo is immune. Clea is immune. I love that. I don't think there's many rosters in the game that can boast such a thing. And to our point we've talked about before when mentioning demons in previous episodes... You can just play objective if you have people that are immune and people are not going to stand there with you. And if if the extract is a good extract for you, then, I mean, game on. Mm -hmm. So I kind of love that. What about you? I mean, anything to say about demons? It's a little slow, and I think you kind of want to be a little bit faster, but I, I don't think it's a problem. And with your control, it, you can be like, oh, you're avoiding the points. Well, now you're on the points. And it helps you get some incinerate on people when you have to back up plan to hurting people. Correct. So like it, it kind of goes, I, I don't hate it. It's not the worst. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you is like, I'm not trying to play super slow, but I do think that it's decent. And I think the threat value is really nice for me. The considerations, if I wanted to change one of these out, well, let's talk about all three of these and then we'll talk about what we change out sword base. Mm -hmm. I think my 15 is decent. I think sword base is really great right now. And the mobility that I can play with here and the control I can play with plays really nicely onto sword base. 
what is your 15? So 15, we've got a Sorcerer Supreme Voodoo that gives us nine. Then we can play with a Wong giving us 12. And then we can throw in like a Mordo or a Lizard there, Clea with the objective play. So I like that. How many wide is that? It's four wide. So I don't have a super wide option or I could play or and then playing voodoo on sword base is give makes it feel like a fifth character. Yeah. In, in a way. You could do something like you have six you could do two threes so you could do like lizard um lizard mordo. Lizard mordo. Right. Like I don't have to have Wong in there but like saying supreme Voodoo, Lizard, Mordo, and that's a hell of a lot of control. I don't mind that. Even though um, it's only four wide. Your other one is Deadly Meteors. Yes, my other one's Deadly Meteors. I like this because I have pretty good energy defense across the board. I don't love the damage option part of it. I don't love that, but I do. I do like how I can try to move about the board and like, you know, I feel good about like, okay, well, if you leave this one objective opponent, well, I can send somebody over there to go get it pretty easily and pretty safely. I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking about that wrong, but I just like it. I think it's fun. I, I and you might call me crazy for this. I think it would be better because I think part of the issue with this, this one is you're going to have to spend your power and you don't want to. Sure. Your, your opponent probably wants to less, but you don't want to either. Uh, and you can't push people off these objectives because it doesn't matter. Right. But I think the biggest thing is you don't like the shape. Everything's so close together. And I think you would rather be on a shape where things are a little bit further apart. I think that's fair. I think that, I mean, when you think about the shape of this one, how they are somewhat close together. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're pretty close. They're I, a lot closer together they're than, a lot than to you be. think. Yeah. They're a lot closer than you think, but I think that makes it interesting and like, okay, it sets up sacrifice it sets up um, some Orb of Agamotto, some Book of Cagliostro options that my opponent has to play around. See, I think what would be better is we talk about your mobility. And you might call me weird for this. I think that Scoundrels is pretty good for you. So I really considered that. And I think it's really good for me for the defensive aspect of it and the, the um, just how spread out it is and all that stuff. But if I run it into a CS list that has Kingpin, I just lose. So I think that there's a lot of cases where you're going, like they're going to have that anyway. And I don't think your other, your other ones are like super much better. And I don't think it's as bad of a, of a, of a matchup for you. I think you just have to like play. You have to get lucky and play really well. And and that's but, the thing. I don't know if I would get lucky and play really well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that versus, and CS isn't played as much as it used to be. Yeah, but I, I they were still pretty popular. I, I think that you're safe to use it. And I think you're one of the better ones against, it's also good for X-Men as well. I think it's like, that may be another thing. How How is your X-Men matchup? Neutral. I feel like. This, this kind of helps them and hurts them because it, like they have to position weird to not also give you cover, but they're also getting cover more often than they normally do. And that's kind of what they rely on. So, right. Uh, but I really like the point cost for you. I do too. 
I think 20 is a really nice one and, and we'll try it. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's, I'm again, this is for, for testing purposes and we'll see what we like. Yeah. Maybe I'm just wrong. You probably are, but no, I could be just wrong. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, and it score, it can score so fast if you're not careful, but it also is yep. one of those where once you whittle down your opponent a little bit, preventing them from scoring certain things is really nice. Mm-hmm. And voodoo, hello. Extract Crisis. Hammers. Yep. Spider Infected. And Montessi. I have no notes. Uh, I would say we drop Montessi. or something. out of here. <laughs> Get out of here with that. Mystic Beam. Cool. But it's, it's a very slow extract. It's fair. You don't have a really good way to hit the middle point anymore. Fair-ish. Fair-ish. What would you replace it with? Because I I love it. Because my opponent is never going to want to pick my extracts. Uh, Probably cubes. You can get more power. Yeah, but and you have ways to heal. Another middle one. It is another middle one. Uh, But... It does more for you by giving you more power that you can use to heal your guys more. Here's or to control your opponents more. And you've got voodoo. Right. Hear me out. This one's interesting. I don't know if this is right, but it's interesting. Senators. No. Okay. I thought so about I'm going to tell you why no senators. Uh, remember when we t- I-, I talked last week or the week before about the uh, really degenerate play with senators? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have an answer to the really degenerate play with Senators? I don't. What's the degenerate play so that people can know? So you play Brotherhood Mystique. Um, that's the really big one. This has done a lot at LVO, apparently. Um, you take Juggernaut and Hulk. I think there's one more, but I can't remember. But the, the long and short is that one of those two with priority goes and steals your side's uh, extract. Like their, your opponent does this to you. They move, move, grab it, and they get the power back, and they have enough to gamble leap or uh, nothing stops the juggernaut away. And then if you ever move forward to grab the middle point on either your side or their side, Mystique moves up, deceptions you into a terrible spot, shoots you at some point, and then you're, in a, you're also in an even worse spot. Mm. So essentially they take... They take your side's points and punish you for taking either side's points. Yeah, I hate all of that, which is terrible. That all sounds terrible. Yeah, so so right now, as cool of an objective as Senators is, unless that gets, like, changed in any way, you, you just, you can't be taking it unless you have a way to combat that. And there, I don't know how many ways there are to combat that. And yeah. there's other ones that can do it. Like, Dark Dimension can kind of do it. It's not as effective, but they could do it. Right. Um, so basically anywhere um, that there's a middle objective, you're screwed. Well, the, it's hurtful here because all six of them are in the middle. Right. And there's six of them. <laughs> so yeah. like you have to move into range of all these people. And you can't like go get a side one. You just have to ignore the extract and it's six points of extract. You have to ignore. Yeah. And that's just a lot. Whereas with like cubes, you ignore one point of the objective and you're fine. Yeah, I mean, and there is an argument to having Lizard run straight across the board and grab your opponent's cube, and, you know, it's not terrible. Yeah. 
and like you I, probably you might have like a way to beat that but without testing into it and like knowing yeah. it's a very difficult matchup but you just don't want to give your opponent that right I'll, by I'll, mistake i'll play cubes i do think montesi yes it's slow scoring but you you tell me if you want to shoot my team with strange rolling his thing Mordo having or voodoo having six dice Mordo has four dice ancient one has five dice emma has five dice I mean, it sounds pretty sexy. I mean, it's good, but that again, like no one's going to do it, right? So Right. Okay. So, the final final list here before we polish this turd off is Ancient One, Mordo, Clea, Supreme Strange, Doctor Voodoo, Emma Frost, Lizard, Spider-Woman, Wong, and OG Strange. That's our 10 characters. Tactics cards. Ironbound Books, Astral Ring, Plane of Poldock, Bar with No Doors, which is the leadership, Book of Cagliostro, Orb of Agamotto, Race for Impact, Double Agent, Missing Objective, Sacrifice. Secure Crisis, Demons, Sword, Scoundrels, Extract Crisis, Hammers, Spider Infected, and Cube Fragments. I'm going to try this. This sounds fun. This is the Wands over Baghdad. Sorry. Every time I say it. <laughs> what do you think, Merzane? Would you want to mess with I this list? You... No. I think this provides me with a little more objective play that I maybe didn't have access to previously or that I was willfully not accessing previously, maybe. And I think that the level of control that it can provide... Obviously, there's some triggers and stuff like that, but even OG Strange being able to, if he does damage, move people is incredibly valuable. And then Crimson Bands for four power also incredibly valuable. So I, I do think that there is some, some play there. And while I have been a superior Strange proponent, and I still am, I do think there are times when OG Strange makes more sense. So, yeah, I agree. I, I think, I think this will open open your eyes a little bit. I think so too. I'm I'm excited to try it, and I'm going to again. When I squad build and stuff with this, I'm going to intentionally try to break some of my habits. Mm-hmm. Because. I want to see different things. I want to see if certain things work or don't work and stuff like that. And one of the habits that I was breaking previously, kind of before I took a bit of a break from the game, was playing Ironbound Books turn two. I do not have to play that turn two every game. I can wait. It just depends on the board state. If characters are in danger, sure, play it. But if it doesn't look like I'm going to lose strange or voodoo or someone really important i can save it because i'm not i've noticed i'm not likely to get ko'd in in a point when it would meaningfully matter right like if i'm getting strange supreme ko'd well then it's it's bad for me anyways and yep. if ironbound books comes back it doesn't has have as much of an impact if I don't have a strange or a voodoo. 
And most people mm-hmm. aren't trying to KO Wong knowing that it gives me Ironbound books back. So, just a thought. And yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, Merzane, this has been really fun. I hope, Seuss, that y'all have enjoyed this extra thick boy chonky deluxe episode because, my God. Uh, but I appreciate you, Merzane, for doing this with me this, this week and kind of combining both uh, versions of the House Party Protocol podcast. It's just some time constraints this week that have uh, worked against me. So I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to do this. And uh, I hope that while you might not play Convocation out there, that you have been able to get something out of this episode today. And real quick, I do want to hit some show questions that we have. We have a couple of questions that are relevant. Um, we got a bunch about Convocation. And I think we answered those from Brian, Freddie, and Phoenix Ben without maybe specifically addressing them. But also the one that Schultz asked, he says, when making a new list, how on earth do you narrow it down to 10 characters anymore? Honestly, I think we showed an example of that. It is, it is trying to stay within a focused idea of what you are trying to accomplish. Yes. Uh, you come with an idea. Maybe it's you want to make one guy cool. Maybe it's you want to play a co- like a, an affiliation and you have to like think about how do I, what am I trying to do on the board and which characters actually help and are not ones that I think are cool. Like in my current Midnight Suns roster, I don't bring Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider's literally my second favorite, if not one of my favorite. Him and Gambit fight all the time for my favorite character in Marvel. And he's not in there because he doesn't fit what I want the list to do. When I want to play him, I'll play a list, probably Midnight Suns or Guardians, that does do the things he wants to do. But you kind of have to make those decisions like, okay, I this he's not he's not helping. He has to go. Yeah. And and, and I'm right there with you, especially with Ghost Rider. I love Ghost Rider in my uh, convocation too. So anyways, Schultz's question, Phoenix Ben, Brian Freddy, I think we've answered those. If we haven't, let me know and, and we'll talk about it more. Panzer Harris says, what do you make of Inhumans taking out the biggest ever UK MCP in tournament? And then Brian Freddy says, am I the Inhumans hipster? I think it's awesome. I think it just goes to show that given skill and practice, anything can be relevant in MCP. Yep. And Brian Freddy, yes, you are the Inhumans hipster. Leland says, this, I love this question. If for the rest of the life of the game, you could only ever have priority or the last activation, which would it be? Priority. Hmm. That's a really tough question. I typically like to do beat em up, so probably priority. That also means that even if I'm playing a control list versus something like Black Order, I no longer have to worry about them keeping priority. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah, probably priority. Priority, man. Like, look, it, it doesn't matter if they have last activation or not, if they're dead. See? See? Mm-hmm. Anyways, Merzane, we do still need a secret code because the giveaway doesn't end until next week. And I think our secret code has got to be T-C-E-T-K-T-P. No, that's a little too much. It's a little too complicated. It's like <laughs> when you're trying to put in your password and you have to delete the whole thing because you can't remember which part you messed up, right? That's fair. That's what that feels. It needs to be caked up. Yeah, it definitely needs to be caked up. <laughs> yeah, definitely caked up is the secret code 
for the giveaway that we're doing. That's going to be an Agent Venom, Spider-Woman, Beta Ray Bill, and Ulick packs for the giveaway. So make sure to send that in. And I'm keeping track of everybody's secret code words. Once I've got them all in, I'm just going to send a message like, hey, you got all the codes to everybody. Just makes it easier on me and everything. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll be doing that. And Merzane, where can people find you? You can find me on the Gamers Guild podcast, doing Gamers Guild podcast things. Nice. Make sure to go check that out. Also check out the uh, Battle Kiwi uh, company. There's a link in the description. You can use the code Party Kiwi for 10% off your first order with them. If you've already ordered something, I guess that won't work, but 10% off your first order and check out the Battle Box. Highly recommend. Make sure you get the metal plate on that so that you can magnetize your models, make it easy for tournament transportation, all of that stuff. And uh, yeah, I got to say, I love, I love mine. I know you love yours. So yeah, check that out. Check out the Patreon if you're interested. I, I really appreciate it. I, I cannot express enough my gratitude to that. And if you stuck around to the end, let me know how you like the extra thick episode. Like, it's not something I'm going to do often. I, I do not personally want to make this a habit. This is just a special thing special episode kind of a thing but it i would love to know what you think so let me know that send me messages like i said house party protocol pod at gmail.com facebook discord uh if you're on discord i'm at hpp underscore will and all the major discords other podcast discords all of that place so just search that name and you can uh, send me messages and all that stuff it's best to dm me because i might not see the notification from the specific discord but Either way, uh, you know, just hit me up and and let me know what you think about this long form podcast, about the podcast in general. Anything you want me to change, any anything I can do to make this more valuable to you, I want to know. I have a suggestion: uh, change this dungeon to no. not exist, so I can be out of here. No, this is not a this is not an Elder Scrolls game. You're not escaping. Stop right there, criminal scum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And with that, party on, Merzane. Party on, Will. And power down suits.